0: Hello, beautiful people. It is Friday, April 3rd. We are chugging along. Every day feels like a year, but we're in this damn thing together. Got a great show for you today. I mean, you're going to learn a lot about the football. You're going to learn about stories about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, Brad Johnson even gets a shout out. Uh, Hopefully we can you know, give you a little time to escape from whatever is going on in your world right now. Tonight, when you pass out, if you don't fall asleep easy like me, for instance, there is a company out here that is creating something that puts you out like a light. Like a light. Like a light. CBDMDs, PM is a game changer for those who are a little restless at night. People say you can't put a good price on good night's sleep. But those people are wrong. CBDMD did it with CBDPM and now they're doing it again with a brand new way to put you out like a light. Zito's taking his CBD PM home right now, and it's actually the CBD PM soft gels, which are a quick and convenient way to get the deeper sleep you deserve. These soft gels contain the same award-winning formula as CBD PM, giving you all the CBD, melatonin, and chamomile you're used to in a powerful pre-measured Capsule, And to make trying CBDMD for yourself even easier, they're offering listeners of this show 25% off your next order when you use the code McAfee at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. I'm not a good sleeper. That concoction that they put together of CBD and melatonin and chamomile is a game changer. Take it about 30 minutes before you want to pass out. Bingo, bango, gonzo, you're gone. Also,
1: ow, fuck,
0: damn it. Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks and yells Into multiple peaks. Men. Start taking notes because manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. No more cuts and nicks with the Manscaped Lawn Mower 3.0. This is a third-generation trimmer featuring advanced skin-safe technology, so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth down there. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball-hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer, more relaxed, more articulate shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Let's not forget about the changing, or charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. People love the lawnmower 3.0 just as much as I do. I'll tell you what, you'll get shaving, you'll just start shaving your whole damn body. You're at home, might as well make that body look how it's supposed to look. When you trim the shrubs, the tree stands taller. Get that thing to look like a Redwood today with the Lawnmower 3.0. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code McAfee at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Use code McAfee and get 20% off and free shipping. Your partner, your balls, and your happiness will thank you. Manscaped.com. Promo code McAfee, 20% off and free shipping. Let's get to the show. Being joined now by uh one of the good guys of the NFL. A man that was a coach, has been coaching football. Let me get this Wikipedia right since 1979. (laughs) Nineteen. Wait till you see him, though. Wait till you see this guy. He looks like he's like thirty-one. He does. He's incredible. Uh, the man is the quarterback coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was with Peyton Manning in the Indianapolis Colts for you know almost a decade at this point. The guy's just a living legend. Everybody he talks to likes him. If you enjoyed my Red Eighteen story, he was the reason that I was invited on that golf trip, ladies and gentlemen. Coach Clyde Christian. Yeah,
2: go, go. Good to see you.
0: Coach, the boys are pumped to hear you talk. I've I, I've gave you glowing reviews because that's all that you deserve.
2: I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, a decade and a half at Indy, great years, special years, and uh, and uh, I look at it, that I coach. You too, you were our emergency quarterback. So I, I list you as one of my accomplishments and extremely successful afterward. Ex- ex- exactly right. Hey, Clyde. Just Peyton was too durable. You didn't get <laughs> any
0: <alcohol. laughs> uh, Let's talk about your time with the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning, mm. because this is an intriguing time here now with you being a quarterback coach with Tampa, with Tom Brady. You're getting a chance now to work with both sides of one of the best rivalries in the history of sports. What made Peyton Manning either... So good or so hard to coach? Is it, it was he hard to coach? And how good what made him so great?
2: He was probably both. I think probably what made him hard to coach was why you love coaching him. And that's he made you a better coach. He was demanding. You know, you didn't you didn't walk into a meeting not prepared because that, that was the quickest way. You didn't he wanted to be coached. I think the misperception would be that these guys don't need coaching and don't want to be coached, just want to do it their own way. And and the great ones, the Andrew Lux, him. The Brad Johnsons, the it looks like Brady's is cut from the same cloth. They, they want to be coached. They want meetings prepared. They want to they want to find out how do I get better. And uh, that mentality to me made him hard to coach because you you just every time I, I remember walking in with the red zone plan and you know he'd look at it maybe you changed the formation, kept some of the plays right, and you would go oh I. I see you and Deb must have gone out to dinner last night. Just kept the same stuff. Didn't have time. You know, and that's it. You know no, we didn't use it last week, and it's still good. I would have liked to have gone out to dinner with my wife too, but you know, I was working on being a You know, and uh, so that's what made him tough to coach. But it also made what was what what was great about coaching him. And uh, you know, he just it was three three hundred sixty five days a year. Probably almost every night at 9.45, he was going to call, and he would have watched practice tape, and then he'll have dinner with his wife and then his kids, and then then he was going to go through the practice before it ever went before the players. And so you always had to be ready. You you just always had to be ready. And, uh, you know, he still thinks I coach for him. I still do about four hours of work a week for him. You know, he still thinks, (laughs) hey, I, I I hate to ask you this, but could you just do this one thing for me? And then six hours later, you know, you. You know, you're reviewing the detail show, or you're, you know, you're, you're making some cut up for his nephew. You know, and uh, and uh, so he he it does it doesn't end like it hasn't ended. So uh, he it is a lot of fun, and it was a uh, he, he he was great. He was great to work with around for and uh, you know and and but just had a desire to be great. Had a desire to be great and wanted wanted to see how you could help him do that. Okay, so last night they
0: aired on NBC Sports. Legendary game. It was when Peyton came back, right? I mean, yeah. that was yeah. the loudest Lucas Oil Stadium has ever been. I, In my yeah. eyes, that game. It was an electric Environment And there was an entire segment there where they spotlighted you in the lower left corner and then all of Peyton's highlights from him as a Colt and then Reggie mm-hmm. Wayne in the lower right corner there about all that you guys accomplished. And then I think they even started talking about the offense he was running in Denver. And uh, it seemed as if Peyton was running Peyton's offense, which was put together with you and Tom Moore and Bruce Aarons at the beginning of his career. It is like this, this offense that has been collected over Peyton's career that has become Peyton's offense, basically, that nobody else does, Omaha. Omaha apple apple there's different route concepts that everybody comes in he was running that offense at Denver am I accurate in saying that like when he went to the exactly
2: right I think when we when we went out looking for where he was going to sign in free agency that was the number one prerequisite that uh you know that it had to keep most of the stuff the same and uh it wasn't anything you know it wasn't a negative toward the people who didn't want to some people didn't want to some people did and uh in Denver he took his playbook how we did things how we practiced how he practiced and uh He'd been doing it a long time, extremely successfully. He knew the ins and outs. You know, it was uh, it was his car. He knew the engine. He'd pulled it apart many times and put it back together. He knew everything about it, and uh, and it was wise on Denver's part just to let him go. and And he kind of taught the players. He taught the coaches. He uh, you know I ended up you know, talking a lot with Adam Gase, who was the offensive coordinator at that time, and and they just, they did a great job kind of integrating the thing, but it was really just Peyton and his playbook show up on the doorstep, and here's how we practice, here's how we do things, and and then they tweaked, and uh, and they found some middle ground on it, and, and uh, but it was his offense, and, and that was one of the huge advantages. Everyone talks about not developing quarterbacks nowadays, but a quarter, these young quarterbacks have five offensive coordinators and three systems in the first five years, and the next thing you know, they get tagged to uh, a miss or a failure, and, uh, and and just don't give guys a chance to develop. Sometimes, and Peyton, Tom Brady, same offense, all those years, you get a chance to develop and get good at something. And uh, and I think that's part of our part of our issue that we just change stabs and offenses so fast that some of these young quarterbacks, it's difficult.
0: We're in an instant gratification society, so if you don't have success now, they're going to fire and turnover. They're going to change. I'll
2: ask Switch you about the offense. That's right.
0: I'll ask you about Jameis. Obviously, you were with him last year, which yeah. could be falling into this category. We'll talk about that later. But I want to get back to the Peyton Manning taking his playbook yeah. out to Denver. He had a lot of success at Denver. It seemed like that that place was able to uh, transition into the Peyton Manning style environment, culture, offense. He broke records there, he won Super Bowls there, had a lot of success. Now. You're getting a guy that's been in the same offense for 20 years coming down to Tampa. Yeah. There's no OTAs, right? We're assuming there's going to be no OTAs. That's right. What are you guys doing with Tom? Are, is Tom going to have some influence on the offense? BA's offensive style obviously is its own thing. Is it going to be a meshing, a gelling? And how will you each other teach each other that? Like how will that happen in this environment? Yeah, one of the
2: things we did while we were in the process of evaluating was, was BA just said, hey, that you know, rather than teaching 21 guys – the New England offense. We're going to teach one guy our offense, so the foundation will be Bruce Arians' offense, and uh, and then what we think will happen, which happens with all these great ones, is, is Tom Brady will come in and make it better. He'll he'll see some things. He'll he'll tweak it. He'll have a few favorite things. I'm. I'm now, I just spent the morning watching his empty things, and, you know, you'll find what does he do well, what's he really comfortable with, so it'll be a mesh of the things, but the foundation, how you call formations, how you do things, will stay Coach Arians' offense, and that was part of part of the negotiation, hey, that that was one of the things that was non-negotiable as far as the guys we were looking at, that we, we weren't going to change the offense, we've been here one year, we just got this thing put in, you know, guys have just learned it, and, uh, and, and, and so, so Tom will, you know, and he's been he's been outstanding. He said, hey, just tell me what you want to do. That's That's been one of the really impressive things about it. Just tell me what you want to do. I'm going to learn it. We're going to do it. And I'll give you, if you want my ideas, I'll give them to you, which we obviously do. What number doesn't matter to me, you know, and even, you know, just that that's what's been extremely impressive, which for guys like me and you's hard, you know, that i had never met Tom Brady all those times we played him. And, uh, you know, I came home and I, I said, you know, like, I think everyone's, you know, Darth Vader and wears black and he found, you know, meet him and he's a nice guy and humble and oh. you know, I'm having to reprogram my grandkids and kids, you know. <laughs> they've all been taught to kind of hate anything New England. So we're gonna have to watch our watch our tongue a little bit, not let anything slip out of there. But uh, you know, no, he's been he has been tremendous as far as just just his attitude. He just wants to just give me a jersey, doesn't matter what number's on it, give me some offense and let's go try and win games.
0: Whenever I mentioned your name for the first time, I think it was uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, and I said, if Tom Brady ends up at Tampa, let's assume that Peyton and Tom, mm. whose friendship has buttoned right? I and mean, They're golfing in Jim Nance's backyard. I'm not sure there's too many people that can relate to each other better than Peyton and Tom. There's not a lot of people up in that rarefied air. I guess Tiger Woods is up there. There's other people that are up there. And I said, Clyde Christensen, was this gem of a man that came into the Indianapolis Colts' life, my life, and into Peyton Manning's life. I would assume whenever Tom was speaking about the places that he could end up at, he reached out to Peyton, because Peyton had to experience this exact same thing. Now great and Peyton was cut. Tom was just kind of pushed out, but the by the Patriots. I mean, we have a Patriot fan in here and it's unbelievable how quick he's turned on Tom. He's like your he's like your grandkids used to be now all of a sudden, just as soon as he gets out. But I, I assume that Peyton I don't know. Did you and Peyton talk about a potential relationship with Tom or do you think Peyton just kind of said like, Hey, these are a couple of guys I know there. And did that conversation happen? Do you know of,
2: uh, you know what the funny thing in free agency was, I never talked to Tom. I didn't talk to him one time because it was illegal to do so. And, uh, and uh especially with new england they keep a pretty close tap on those phones I, 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 even i was scared to uh to cheat even in the in a in a little bit you know and uh had a picture of me having to destroy my phones or something out of, in the in the pool there or something so i did not i'd never met him i'd never talked to him and uh but i, I do think you know I, i'd bounce stuff off peyton and i'm sure they talked and uh i think I, you know i think tom had an interest in this place right from the get-go for a lot of reasons and uh and it, it was, uh, I really felt from the beginning that the thing was going to happen. And, of course, it was exciting for me just to get a chance to coach him and learn from him. And, and uh, you know, so, yeah, they, those two guys, I think, have a unique relationship. I remember one year we always had, would have a project for Peyton. And here you go. Here's a little known fact. So the first time I met him, I brought out a file, and I started reading all the stuff about his offense. He goes, where would you get that? I go, you know. So Peyton we would have a project. So one year Peyton's project was, hey, bring Brady down to Chattanooga, sit on the lake, work out, throw, exchange ideas. He's the one guy who really at this point in his career can understand what you go through. It was post 30 and we had we had they had a little one-on-one down there where they'd throw all morning, lift weights, run, go hit the golf ball, come sit and just talk about everything from how do I handle the media? To how do I handle bear defense and and I had all these pages of notes. I start reading them off and talking about t- the chat and yeah. Oh yeah, of course I knew, about, you know, but how they kept the thing secret. No one ever heard about it. It was unbelievable. But we just and those two guys went hard for forty eight hours and just exchanged ideas. But that's the level of respect and that's how those guys approach things and. Tom said, "I got to pull out those notes. I got so many things from Peyton too. But it was everything from how do I train now that maybe I'm not in my twenties anymore to how do we work one on ones, how do we set up drills, how do we handle double a gap walk ups, and all those things. It was it was an unbelievable thing that you, it was it was so secret that I had all those notes and you you're dying because you want to share it because it's so interesting." And that it happened and you can't say anything to anybody. So, you know, but so I pulled those out. That was the first thing I said. I know a little bit more than you think, you know, <laughs> than you think I know about you. You know, I had these whatever 12 pages of notes on everything he believed about everything, you know, and uh, and how they did things. And uh, and so but those just the story to just show how those two guys think and how they're wired is is rare and uh, and really unique.
0: The. Um they came out on that NFL uh, All-100 team, the 100-year team or whatever, the all-time team, that Tom Brady, whenever he was named to the team, he came in, he spoke, obviously, with uh, Rich Eisen and Belichick, who won an Emmy for that. <laughs> Belichick won an Emmy, by the way. But um, he said that there was a formation or something that the Colts always used to run. Yeah. And it actually created Gronk's career, basically. I guess a guard would pull, yeah. so everybody thought it was a run. Instead, he would yeah. stay in the backfield, though, and then a the tight end would just leak right up the seam. And basically, it's Gronk's entire career was prefaced off of this thing that he learned from Peyton at this entire— and then they showed a highlight of Gronk scoring a touchdown against us with that exact highlight. I was like, He said
2: that. I didn't really realize it. I did see it, but it was 6'10 Jose. 6'10 Jose. Dice right, 6'10", Jose, and that happened at that same place, sitting on the side of the lake and probably having a fluid or two and just talking and uh, exchanging brilliant. some of their ideas, and uh, but he he said the same thing. He said it was the best play they had for Gronk, and you, you saw Dallas Clark catch a trillion of them, right, ripping up the middle of two deep and, you know, seams on three deep and off a good play-action fake with a guard pulling, and very few quarterbacks can do it because you're exposed. You know, you're releasing four guys off of a, a turn-your-back play-action fake, and you know, you got to be pretty special to be able to turn your back, flip around, hit someone up the seam, and understand where all the defensive defensive players are. But uh, you know, obviously those two guys being the best in the business, you know, were able to do that. But at six ten, Dice right, six ten, Jose, you know, so that yeah, they they got a lot of mileage out of the thing, as did we.
0: Uh, so when Jason Light talked on Get Up about they think Tom Brady's arm. Is that a perfect arm for this Bruce Arians offense? And then there's stats that back that up. For passes 20 yards down the field or more in a tight window, he and Jameis had the highest QBR in the entire league, tied for the highest QBR in the league. I think the narrative is that Tom Brady can't sling it anymore because he's older. What have you seen on film, and is that all a bunch of BS?
2: Yeah, so it was it was fun to do, you know, free agency this year. The first guy I wrote, it was in alphabetical order, so, that, so I'm writing up Tom Brady in free agency like you do every year. You know, and answering the questions, do you think he can be a starter in the NFL? Can he start for us? You know, is he a leader? You know, and I really thought it was candid. I thought it was a setup. I really thought it was a setup. But, <laughs> you know, is he a leader? Do you think he's a leader? You know, but but we did him like everyone else. And so I watched every every throw of his for four years and couldn't see any drop-off whatsoever. Anyone who says that he can't, just is talking. They haven't watched the film that he makes every throw. Now, some years they had fast guys Moss, and they threw that ball up the field. Some years they did. This year they didn't, and they they threw more checkdowns and stuff. But every time he got his opportunity, that ball went up top, and and usually extremely successfully. And uh, I, I think that narrative is dead off base. And if I thought that, we we probably wouldn't have gone after him. You know that he is playing at an extremely high level. Uh, he took his physical. They said his joints are like that of a 30 year old man you know, avocado like, ice I mean, cream he, he takes care of himself yeah unlike myself and you you look like you maybe put on a few pounds <laughs> Take since i saw you last but
0: <laughs> i but, ate four thousand calories at mcdonald's yesterday for a challenge I, i'm in a bad <laughs> spot right now coach but you're... i am
2: too i'm with you that's why i'm glad i'm just the headshot here but they uh yeah but he, he you know he takes such great care of himself but there is nothing on the film that shows that he's falling off accuracy wise, arm strength wise. Uh, you know, no one wants. Everyone says, "Well, he doesn't want to get hit." Well, yeah, I don't know the quarterback who really wants to get hit. He does. He has <laughs> an elite clock like Peyton, of he can assess how long he has to throw that thing to the hundredths of a second, like nobody else. Like Peyton, just just knew how long he could hold it, hold it as long as he could, and then he just let it go. And it might have to be a throwaway. It may be a. A great throw, but they just have such an elite clock. He has the same clock for hey. I know that if we don't block the defensive end, I could hold that ball for 1.95 seconds before I have to throw it. And then if no one's open at that point, they do a great job throwing it away. They're hard to sack, and I think that that's going to be a great asset for us. That's that's that's, you know he's elite that way. But your original question, I saw no drop off on arm strength, no inability to make any throw that needed to be made. To you're, be made. St- you're still, and I felt the same about Rivers. I thought the same about Rivers that I, I expected to see a drop off, and there wasn't. There really wasn't. That those those guys are still playing at a high level.
0: Good for you guys. It is alleged that the Tom Brady team was potentially seeing if there was an opportunity with the Colts, and the Colts said, no, we're moving on with Philip Rivers. So not only did the Niners allegedly say, uh, no, we have no interest, the Colts said no interest. A lot of teams said they have no interest in Tom Brady. I think you're getting a guy who might be older, obviously, but he eats that avocado ice cream. He, he's in a good shape. He knows the game better than anybody else in the league right now, and he's got some chips on his shoulder like he was pick 199 again. I, I couldn't even fathom the guy that's about to arrive in your locker room.
2: No, he, he was fun to watch. And you, you could see a couple of times his eyes glaze you know, He's serious about it. He, you know, there's no talk about rebuilding or coasting in on his career. Like, this is going to come in here. It's going to be great for our city. It's going to be great for our building. That's the thing about you mentioned Peyton going to Denver. And, and person after person has told me the same thing. When Peyton walked into Denver, the cafeteria, the equipment room, you've seen it, practices, coaches, head coaches, GMs, I've seen him call Mr. Ursay, you know, and say, "Hey, this isn't right. We got to get this fixed," you know. And and so those guys just make everything better. And he's going to come in here and and in a team oriented way, he's going to make every he's going to raise everyone's level. I, I I would say if you're if you're a receiver and you saw we signed Tom Brady, you probably didn't skip your workout last like couple weeks ago when we signed, right? That he just has that effect. It's going to have that effect on the whole on the whole bunch of them. First thing he asked for was everybody's phone number, you know that. You know, I, I just think that this is going to be great for Tampa. It's going to be great for us. It's going to be great for our locker room, That uh, as, as you've seen. I said that. And I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a huge advantage in this offseason because if you don't have a leader, at quarterback.
0: Oh, gather those the troops. Guys are going to
2: have to drive the whole thing. As of right now, we can't meet with those guys. We can't have anybody in. You know, he's going to have – you know, that. Having a Drew Brees or somebody like that who organizes and knows how to do it and knows how to reach people and get people better, that's good. there's going to be a huge premium on those guys this year because no offseason where there's no coaches, that quarterback's got to be your offensive coordinator and your head coach. He's got to run the whole thing and get it organized. And the ones who have great ones are going to be ahead of the game this year.
0: I said a couple weeks ago that when Tom Brady was going into free engine, maybe a month ago, I said every team – that isn't sold on their quarterback is going to want Tom in their building because he makes everybody better. I literally said that. I said, I became a better punter. By watching yeah. how Peyton Manning worked like that, right. it, 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 just like you said, like, do you think any wide receivers are skipping workouts this off season in Tampa Bay? Maybe whenever they could have other years been like, yeah, I'm gonna go play some video games. I'm gonna take today off. I'm just gonna make it yeah. a lifting day instead of a route running day. Now that you got Tom Brady, you're like, all right, uh, he's not missing a workout. So I probably shouldn't miss a workout or I'm gonna get left behind. That is the, what happens when you bring somebody with greatness around. That is just, no, it's I- osmosis I- almost.
2: No question. I think you're exactly right, and and I see it already. I see, I see it already. I got my little office set up in here, and, and you're watching uh, all New England's empty thing. You know, every, all coaches are sitting in their makeshift offices in their homes right now, and Zoom met Zoom meetings, and and everyone's good. It's kind of a it's funny times, but he make he he, he, he does. He may he makes you want to be better. He, you know that. You know, he's coming in here. You how, want, how do we get, you know, my challenge is how do we get Tom Brady better? How do we get him 3% better? You Good know, luck. I mean, how do we, that was always, that was the fun thing. Like, that, that was has been the great thing for me is, you know, you have, you have Peyton who's kind of just rolling, that, starting to roll on his career. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, then it's Andrew who's, you know, fresh and a rookie and now this guy you know this guy who has 20 seasons under his belt already and you know hey but it's still the same challenge for a coach how do I get him better you know how do, there's a ch- how do we get you know you led the league in red zone offense for five how do we get better in the red zone like those are the challenges and that's one of the fun things about coaching this position in this league and the guys who we've had come across is you know that's a that's a hard work it's, e- it's easy to improve you know, a, a two and 14 team, that's easy to find improvements there, but how do you improve the Tom Brady's of the world? How do you improve the Andrew Lux of the world? How, how do you improve, you know, the new England Patriots of the world, the teams that have, have won so well. And I think that's always a challenge not to lose your edge, not only not to lose your edge, but how do we keep challenging them and pushing them
0: last year? um You had Jameis Winston, Jameis, incredibly talented player. Now, Bruce Arian said in an interview, He said, this is a very wild offseason, basically. We would have re-signed Jameis if Tom Brady wasn't available. I mean, Tom Brady is the guy, basically. a He said, and also, Teddy Bridgewater was also a free agent, so there was a decision that was going to have to be made there. And then Jameis Winston. Everybody talks about how Jameis threw 30 interceptions last year. And then that's why no franchise is willing to give him this long-term deal because you can't win games sustainably in the NFL if you turn over the ball and everybody's scared. But what your point was, in the very beginning of this thing is, if you have a new offensive coordinator every year and you don't get comfortable, how do you ever find that time to get comfortable? Do you think Jameis will find a place, get comfortable, and become an elite quarterback in this league? Or do you think it's going to be difficult at yes, this I point?
2: Do. I do. I think he's going to become an elite quarterback. He works uh, – He was a, it was a shock to me. You know, I had never met him either, but he is a humble – he works every bit as hard as Peyton and Andrew did – I mean, he works, this guy overworks, probably over trains is probably one of his problems, but yeah. I really think it's going to click. And I do think he is, uh, you know, hopefully he lands in exactly the right place. I trust God that he'll, he'll get to the right place. And, you know, same thing. This is not a fun league. It's not fun to be the quarterback on a losing team, right? That, that's the, that, that is not fun. And especially to be the first pick in the draft and, you know, the city thinks you're going to turn the whole franchise around and, you know, and it just doesn't happen quite that way. And, uh, and then so I really think for him, he's grown as a man. He, I, I am fired up for him. I love Jameis Winston. I loved every minute working with Jameis Winston. I really believe he's going to get the right chance at the right place. And then also maybe like Ryan Tannehill that, you know, it may take backing up for, you know, who knows what the scenario will be, but he will rise to the top. I think he's a starting upper echelon quarterback in this NFL. And I do think he's going to get these interceptions under under control a little bit. In some ways, for the first, like I feel like I failed him a little bit as a coach. That you know, yeah. you take that personal. That you, you know, hey, I, I didn't, whatever, I didn't get it done. I didn't, I didn't help this kid. This kid's better than thirty interceptions, and we didn't get that done. And and that that I'll have to live with, you know. And and uh, but I really do. He he is a great kid, and I do think he's gonna. I think his career is long ways from over. I think all of. I think it's all ahead of him. I think the good stuff is all ahead of him. And uh, and some of his were self-inflicted, he would tell you, early in his career. But he's maturing. He got married last Friday and uh, married his high school sweetheart. And, uh, you know, he is off and running. And I really, I re- I really believe that with all my heart that he's going to he's gonna be really a good player.
0: Those bear crawls look terrible. But I hope you're I, – I <laughs> They did look
2: terrible, especially for a guy who had a little separated shoulder back in his past. But uh, – uh, <laughs> Like I said, so you know, it's hard to tell these guys sometimes, but uh, <laughs> I, I, really, I really do and and don't, you know, he threw for 5,000 yards, which you look at that list and it's about six of the greatest players in the history of the position who have done that. Like it's not his good was really good. You got to change 15 plays and you're going to have a heck of a quarterback on your hands.
0: I wish that that would have happened cuz he would have been getting broken off, but instead now we have Tom Brady in yeah. Tampa and yep. another massive story that you have history with. I think watching that game last night, and this could have been me, like, I don't know, just kind of thinking over it because of how his retirement happened and when his retirement happened – andrew luck was a special football player that game last night against denver it was a andrew luck like basically picture of hey here's a kid that has been touted as john elway basically since his sophomore year of high school then he goes to college does everything right becomes the number one pick takes over for peyton manning in a city that peyton manning brought football Mm. to basically handled it with grace by the way competitiveness I think he was too nice of a person. That's neither here nor there. I think he should have held a little bit more people's feet to the fire in around him. I think that is something that Andrew Luck would even admit that he did, but on the field. And I kind of took it for granted. I think I got to witness some real greatness from that kid, him retiring out of nowhere. What was that like for you to see? How did those conversations go amongst you and your coaching friends that obviously know Andrew Luck very well. And what do you think Andrew Luck's
2: future is like? I was in shock. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, these, everyone like you, you, right? For a couple of years before, ah, I'm about, I'm, I'm not doing this for a long. time. You know, and I'm going, ah, relax. You're gonna, you know, you're, you know, just keep. and and then all of a sudden, you did the same thing. You retired at the peak of your career, as did Andrew. And uh, and and and, but great player, great human being. Talked to him last week, and you know, one of the great things about this profession is just like this. You know, I, I look forward to this, just seeing Me too, you. By the reconnected way, and. You know, but Andrew, to see him now as a husband and a father and, you know, last year went out and saw Peyton's twins playing in a little playoff coaches pitch baseball game. I mean, that's where you get the charge. Like, the football's the football, but but seeing guys grow up and staying connected and the relationships that come from this thing, it was pretty darn special. And Andrew was that guy. Andrew, Andrew in my mind, could have been as good as anybody. He was such a good athlete, deceivingly good athlete. He was elite worker. He was obviously brilliant, and uh, I think every every year I just would be shocked that he'd do something that would shock me and brilliance wise. We we played up in New Jersey, and it was a New York Marathon, and we were going up with a bunch of guys in the in the orange outfits who had run the New York Marathon. They were speaking in a language I didn't know, and it was me and Andrew just kind of cowering in the back, checking into the hotel. And next thing you know, he's engaged in in talking with all these runners. In a different language, which I didn't even know (laughs) what the language was. They all get off. I, I I look and I, what, what just? Ah, you know, I I do. I I speak a little. I speak a little French, you know. And I forget if it was French, but he says, "Yeah, I do speak." But he was speaking fluently. I go, "How many languages do you speak?" Oh, not really, you know, barely English. You know, he just he almost was so modest he didn't want anyone to know how smart he was, but he. He was he was a brilliant guy, and and then I think he was he was just a unique leader. He was a lot like Dungy that people just followed him. People followed him. He didn't have to scream, yell, cuss. You know, people just followed him. And uh, and uh, you know, you saw that he had a command of the locker room that people just played hard for him because you knew how hard he had prepared. And and that that's a huge part of it.
0: I always say that in the NFL, it's a lot more like the coaches and players are working together. As opposed to in college and high school where the coaches are all ultimately we're smarter than you, we've been around this longer. But when it gets to the NFL, it's very much, hey, we're in this together. Like, yes, you guys are setting the schedule and the game plan and stuff like that. But if we really want to be a cohesive unit, and I think I've I got a chance to see great a great couple teams and i got a chance to see some bad teams and i think the mm-hmm. biggest difference was not only the camaraderie in the locker room but amongst the coaches as well and everybody kind of being on the same page that coaching staff you guys have down in tampa is an og crew i mean you bring in todd Bowles in there too that defense goes from 32 to 5 you got byron left which is kind of the young guy of the whole thing tom moore is he still coaching down there tom moore? tom moore
2: tom moore is still coaching we had to run him out of the office the other day with with this virus thing, he's in there watching some high college quarterbacks for me, and I go, "What? What are you doing? You're a high risk guy. Get home, you know. He's in there watching. No one's in there, and he's just sitting there watching, you know, some guy from Princeton or something. And I'm going, "What are you doing right now? Well, you know, what are you doing? And uh, but he is still going at it, still loves it. And uh, is this a swan song? Staff. Hey, is it? We hey, have, I, we hey, we, we have we, nine guys who I worked for Bruce Arians in '82 at Temple and we have nine guys on our staff that either worked or played on that 82 team at temple so there's an unbelievable comfort and then it just shows a little bit about arians and just he just wants his guys around him and uh he he puts a premium on that and on loyalty and for everyone to just rally and come back and want to coach with him just shows a little bit but we have a we have a great staff and a really comfortable atmosphere i think the players really like it i think we're I really think you're going to see us make some big jumps. I was here the first time with Dungy, and it was a dismal franchise. And, and, and of course, it, it took off, and Dungy in those six years made it elite. And, you know, when we got there, I remember them everyone saying, hey, if you ever went to the playoffs, they haven't been in 25 years, if you ever go to the playoffs, you can stay here forever. And then all of a sudden, after our fifth year, we lose a championship game to St. Louis. Remember that great game? They go, hey, if you don't win it next year, we're going to have to make you We've know, got to get someone can take us to the – Take us to the you know all the way, and and next thing you know we're fighting for our lives, and then they run us out of there. And uh, we got to get some break. Win season.
0: I don't want to run you out of here, but I got to get to a break. Hard out here. I can't thank you enough, Coach. You're the absolute oh. best. Good luck next year. Uh, keep in touch, please. It's been great seeing you. And you're still on my board. You owe me twenty.
2: I love that. I miss you.
0: All right, I miss you too, Coach. Have a great hey. one, ladies and gentlemen. Clyde Christensen, you're the best. Man. Hey, one of the best humans of all time. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. Joining us, can you see here, me? Yeah, you look amazing. You, oh, you oh, look absolutely you. amazing, uh, Super Bowl champion, ladies and gentlemen, T.J. Lay. Yeah! Yeah!
3: Nice stogie there, Age. Hey, good thanks.
4: Good to good to see you, T.J. Heck Hope of a it shirt. That thing looks amazing.
3: It uh. I'm really looking forward to summer, so the Miami hat has nothing to do with Miami. It's just uh, I'm the Britney Spears-like level of craziness. I hit about an eight and shaved my head for the first time ever, oh. <laughs> so I'm not uh,
0: super confident in it yet,
3: but you know, we're no. going gonna to sport a hat for a little while.
0: Hey, that's a good round head you have there, TJ. I think you should be proud of that. What's in the cup there? You got a little whiskey on the rocks there, a little ice. Yeah,
3: a little, little whiskey ginger, man, to Friday, you know, so why not?
0: It's Thursday, but <laughs> I absolutely respect oh, that. Uh, where do you live? You live in Detroit? Yeah, you're right. You live in Detroit full-time?
3: I do. Beautiful Detroit, man. man. It's great time up here right now, about minus the uh, 8,000 cases of coronavirus that we have. Um, but yeah, Metro Detroit, man. Midwest boy, all my life. Loving life, buddy. I heard Stuck when you... inside, it's going great.
0: I heard when you went to the Packers, <laughs> I heard when you went to the Packers, you like to have a good time. Then, mm-hmm. then uh, from a friend of mine, I heard you like to have a good time. You're like a third round draft pick to the Packers. And fourth. Then fourth round draft pick to yeah. the Packers. You like to party a little bit. Okay. Like throw back some tall boys with the boys. Uh, you like to have a blast. And then, not did you stop doing that, but somehow you pivoted into becoming this incredibly. Uh, you know, good at moving other humans guy offensive lineman staple for the Packers up there. What was that moment? What was it like going to the Packers, becoming an NFL player, and having to move grown-ass men instead of college kids?
3: i got to tell you, I think being drafted to Green Bay for me was um, a blessing only because I got to go into a group of guys on the offensive line that were veteran. Uh, a lot of guys that A.J. played with, How sure Scott Wells, Chad Clifton, um, where th- those guys had, they proved themselves for a number of years. I, I knew I wasn't going to come in and start, um, which kind of led me down the path, which you uh, so thankfully mentioned that I was a pretty heavy drinker early on, which is true, uh, but thanks for ruining my image. Um, anyways, <laughs> it was a good situation for me just because I got to sit and kind of watch those guys. You know, I got to watch them work. I got to watch them um, kind of teach me how to be a professional and 2011 was my third year. Um, going into that year, we all remember the the lockout. We had just won, won the Super Bowl and um, kind of sitting at home all year knowing that we had just lost Darren College, our starting left guard to free agency to Arizona. Um, that was the one spot that was open on the line that year. And I kind of told myself, this might be my last chance, you know, getting a back for, forever in the league because it's what well, you're going to have to prove yourself. And that's kind of when uh, my buddy Johnson kind of sat me down. We had a long chat about um taking things more serious and focusing and trying to be more of a professional and uh went into training camp that year with just a big chip on the shoulder and uh won the starting left guard spot and was lucky enough to to start uh, my last six years in green bay
0: let's go yeah! hey that's a good moment hey that's kind of a cool moment when you have the conversation with yourself like hey you know what i'm gonna be worth i'm gonna be worth the fuck here I'm, I'm gonna go f- i had to have that conversation where i was like you know what I'm gonna stop, like, you know, maybe self sabotaging myself from being the person that I could be, and making that decision that I might as well try to be great at this thing. That's a real conversation that you have to have with yourself, and it's kind of a cool moment.
3: No, it definitely is, and I think the one bigger part too was um, my girlfriend at the time. We had been dating for about a year, and she she ended up getting pregnant around that same summer. (laughs) So uh, not only was it me, um, I'm just kind of looking after. I've got a family now that I've got to start. The the biggest thing for me though was when Josh and I were talking, and uh, he's like, "Hey buddy, you know we need you, man. We need you to. There's a spot there at left guard. We need you to step up. We need you to take it. You got to chill, kind of on going out." And in my mind, it didn't really register because I'm like, "Dude, you're you're by my side ninety percent of the time. We're drinking, bro. Like you know." (laughs) (laughs) But he had already been an established uh starter you know on the team and and uh, was good, just kind of coming up into those pro bowl years for him um so i kind of i had to understand the difference between you're already there man that's where i'm trying to get i'm trying to get to your level and compete with you and the other guys um so that conversation i had with him meant much more than it did With the numerous conversations I had with my uh, coaching staff, um, because a couple of them actually lived in the same building as me my first two years when I was partying, which, (laughs) come to find out, they didn't really enjoy that very much.
0: (laughs) Green Bay, big city too. I'm sure they didn't see out and about. You know, that's a good thing about Green Bay. It's a lot of places to go to, I'd assume.
3: It's a great, great town for a young uh, 21 year old single guy, right age.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's – some guys would be shell-shocked, I think, when they would come into to Green Bay. If they – say they grew up in some, like, big city area, they went to a big-time college, and they come to Green Bay, and they're like, all right, now what? Where do we go? What do we do? Like, I understand some guys going crazy a little bit.
3: Yeah, no, I think the best advice I got when I was a young guy was – And this didn't come from AJ, I can promise you that. um, I was a single guy, you know, and and it was such a small town that you start noticing every time you go out, you just start seeing the same people and the same people. And somebody sat me down and they said, buddy, if you find a good looking chick, you know, there's probably a 50 percent chance that, you know, a couple of guys on the team have already gotten to him. So be careful. And uh, I took that to heart and never ended up getting serious with a local chick, which was which was good. I got to make sure my wife isn't listening.
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs> sorry, man. sorry we got to this point so quick uh aj I, 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 by the way tj you're on a sponsored show right now by the way no big deal no big deal no big deal aj read a ad read perfect yeah right before you came on aj sold some raycon ray j uh headphones i
3: saw that those things look awesome
4: yeah raycon earbuds man, pat it? if you read the copy earbuds they strictly want them being called earbuds
0: Listen, I didn't re- I didn't get the copy. I sent it to you. I, I didn't know that. I- I thought That's was- fine. That's
4: fine. You don't have to read what you send away. I want to get back to TJ. TJ, <laughs> so after a long time in Green Bay, you went to uh, Detroit, and Matt Patricia had taken over as the head coach. What was that transition like? I know a lot of Belichick disciples go around. I don't know if they they really are trying to create like a little mini Patriots culture, but wh- I guess what was it like, especially early on in Detroit?
3: Um, I think that was the first time in my career where I – kind of went through a full-blown culture change. Um, you know, obviously in Green Bay there, we kind of had what we had. We knew we were good every single year, and it was just a matter of getting that one game better. You know, when I came to Detroit, the first year we had Jim Caldwell. He was a great coach, great guy. Everybody loved him, a true players coach. Um, and then 2018 when it came in was the first time where it's like you started to see some trades. You started to see some guys get released that were good players. And it kind of was a wake-up call for everybody saying, you know, this is a no BS type crew, man. You know they're going to come in. They want to run things their way. They want the leaders on the team to be um, the same and kind of have the same message. We don't want to have any you know, stranglers out there that are doing their whole thing own thing in the locker room and huh. uh, dividing the team any 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 ways. Which you know I didn't have a problem with. It's just a different um, you know strategy than than some other guys. Um, it was it was difficult. I would say. Being a 10-year vet at that time, um, the expectations in practice and training camp, uh, every single day was full pads, every single day you're conditioning after practice. Um, As a 10-tier guy, as a 32-year-old guy, I was like, (laughs) dude, I'm just trying to stay healthy for Sunday, you know? (laughs) So so I had a couple of conversations with coach Patricia on the side and it turns out, um, I like him a lot. He's a really good dude. Um, it it just was a feel of kind of that Patriot. This is more of a job and more of a business rather than let's go out there and have fun and let's go out there and and just enjoy, you know, being with each other and enjoy practicing and enjoying the grind. I think a, a lot of the fun started to leave, um, Right about that time he came in, whether it was, you know, his his change of philosophy or just kind of my body breaking down, that was the first year for me where football actually felt like a job and I, I didn't have as much fun as I was used to.
0: He said there was a lot of rumors and reports. And I would assume doing conditioning after every single practice is insane at training camp. By the way. Is that why the Patriots were 20 years or so good? They were just running sprints after every single training. <laughs> That's insane to me. I would have, I would have quit earlier. I would have retired younger I, I, if that was happening. But um, there's a lot of reports coming out of Detroit there. Matt Patricia lost the locker room. And then it was like, there was too much practice on technique and guys hated it and stuff like that. That stuff all kind of seems like if you had done something a certain way for your entire career and then he comes in and flips it right on its head much like with you, it's like, well, this is not what you do. And then you don't have success doing that. It's hard to get people to buy in when you don't have success. Like the Patriots, AJ and I talk about this all the time. When you have the best player on earth, Tom Brady, taking a pay cut, it's easier for them to get everybody else to take a pay cut at their position. Like, hey, we're going to win. When you got Tom Brady running sprints after every single practice, it's easier to tell everybody else to do it. And they win. So you can basically tell him, in Detroit, you guys, they weren't winning. It's still not really winning in this entire you know, culture's being changed. I'll be excited to see how it pans out long term if they continue to give him a chance because this year it's like a win or lose win or get fired type situation I think for him
3: yeah no doubt about it I think you hit it on the head man I think going through training camp and the offseason program um, it was a lot more difficult than we were all used to uh, but the one thing that we kept telling ourselves and tried to tell to the younger guys and you know, expanded leadership was guys, man, it's gonna pay off come the season. You know, we're gonna be in better shape. We're gonna start winning these games. It's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good trade off because if this sucks in training camp and it's this hard and the days are so long and whatever it's gonna pay off, man. We're gonna win and then we go out week one against the Jets on Monday Night Football and absolutely get throttled. And I think from that point it was kinda like Wow! Not only are we getting killed, but we're you know we're also getting beat up every day in practice in the meeting rooms, and it's like holy hell, man! This this has got to stop. And um, I think we saw a change, you know, it, which the record and the the score didn't really show it, but halfway through that year, I think Coach Patricia started being more himself a little bit, um, which was good because that's what the guys want, you know, especially the older guys. You can't BS the older guys. They've been around long enough. They've seen everything. Guys respect you the most when you're just yourself, you know, and you're uh, you're just a good guy to be around. And I saw a change in the team where we didn't really start winning, you know, a whole lot more games, but the guys started buying in, man, and the guys were starting to lay it out on the line. And the one thing that I would always ask guys on the opposing team after we played um, you know, you chat a little bit, you BS a little bit, and they say, "Man, you guys are a tough team. You guys are a tough team." And I think that's one characteristic that you can definitely build off of. So, I'm a coach Patricia fan. I love the guy. I love Bob Quinn. I've had good relationship with both those guys, and I wish them nothing but the success, especially this year with what you know ownership has kind of come out about. You guys got to win this year. So it'll be an interesting, uh, interest, interesting drafts and hopefully leading up to the season hopefully i think they all know the, what's kind of what's going on and what the expectations are Teach, what was that
4: first team meeting like when patricia came in what was it well known like okay there's a new new sheriff
1: in town
3: <laughs> um kind of you know i think it was more it wasn't like laying down the law hey you guys have done this and that's gone you know we're bringing in this we're doing this it was more of Um, And I don't want to say bragging because Coach Patricia is like the last dude who would ever brag about anything he's done. But it was more of this kind of big stature, you know, wow, this is the guy who's won so many Super Bowls. And it's the guy who's coached so many good players. Um, Wow, you know, he's got a he's got a good reputation behind him. And then you, you start hearing the. I've done that, you know. We just we were at the Super Bowl last year. We were this, this, yeah. this, and it's kind of like, okay, that's great, you know. But how can you help us? You know, <laughs> we're all in this together now. So I think at the beginning there, and we talked to Coach about this a little bit. We needed to be, we need to be singular, man. We can't have the coaches and the players trying to, you know, prove each other wrong and prove each other different. We got to be on the same team. So I think there was a little hiccup there really early on, but I, from you know my recollection, I don't think it lasted you know, much more than just a couple days. I think once we kind of got everything off our chest as the leadership committee, uh, the coach, I think, you know, it it seemed like everybody was on the same page going forward. We just, we just didn't Unfortunately didn't win many games that year.
0: Him having a leadership committee is at least good. You know, at least he wanted to kind of hear what was happening. Potentially not every team has a leadership committee. I think that's a step in direct. And I think along your lines, we've met Matt Patricia now on numerous occasions. He's been on our shows. We've been in his office. I am a massive fan of the guy right like of the guy I, like Matt Patricia's guy I would like to hammer you know some beers with if he ever smoked vitamins I'd like to smoke vitamins with Matt Patricia <laughs> like I, I, I think that is a guy I would like do that. It just it seems like these patriot coaches whenever they leave for whatever reason belichick's coaching tree is not a very successful one i mean it's just it's now because bill o'brien successful right he's got his team to the playoffs last year but uh, but i mean now we're trading away deandre hopkins for a second round pick in a laundry basket so i mean there's there's a lot of things but it is it's hard I, i think it's a lot harder than people imagine to come in and change a culture overnight And then just expect people to buy in if you have no resume, though, of proving success with that. So I hope they have success. Let's move forward back or let's go back to the Green Bay Packers. You won a Super Bowl at Green Bay, yeah?
3: I did, yeah. 2011 was my second year. Um, I wasn't a starter at the time, so I kind of rode the backs of A.J. and Clay and uh, Aaron Rodgers and those guys.
0: Hey, that's what punters. <laughs> hey, that's literally what punters do their entire career. So don't you're you're not rubbing anything off. At that time at Green Bay with Aaron, that dude has such an interesting reputation with people. He's the most talented quarterback probably to ever come into the NFL. Now, granted, Patrick Mahomes is another Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron was doing a lot of stuff that Patrick Mahomes is doing, but it just wasn't as grand because social media wasn't as huge whenever Aaron got in. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. Aaron is an incredibly talented person. What was he like to be around? How did he help you become a better player? And what is the misconception that people don't understand about Aaron Rodgers, you think? Well, I think he helped me
3: become a better player because he was always. Be perfect, you know, and the guy would have a great game and have one bad throw like the first quarter, and that's all he talked about for a while. You know, that's he wanted that one playback. It's like, dude, you played great, but I think that's the expectation of worst are you know, and, and that wore off on me. I think it was very contagious with a lot of other guys on the team, was you know, having four or five bad plays wasn't good enough, you know, it just it simply wasn't good enough. That's going to be the one thing I think about, so I think. For me, that was always my biggest fear, playing with guys like Aaron and AJ and the older guys who were so good, was I didn't want to let these guys down. You know, I wasn't afraid because I'm going against freaks and Sue and Justin Smith and just these animals across from me. I know I'm going to have a couple bad plays, but if I can consistently – you know, win the battles for the majority of the game. I'm, that, that's a good game for me, man. I'm going to strive to be perfect. And although I think everybody understands it's never going to happen, if you strive for it, at least you're going to find that bit of consistency, um, which is definitely a lesson that I learned from Aaron and a bunch of other vets we had on the on those teams. Um, misconception about him, I think he's just a private guy. You know, I just – it doesn't seem like he's really comfortable with the whole – I'm not going to say not comfortable, but he would. I think he would rather choose to live his life kind of by his own and not, you know, kind of be in the spotlight 24-7, which unfortunately comes with the territory of being a superstar NFL quarterback. Um, I think for me, something young as a young guy I learned was it always felt like he never liked me. You know, it always felt like he kind of was always thinking that I wanted something from him and it's like dude man I just want to find like some bros up here you know and just <laughs> hang out. Um, I think he's just that type of guy and honestly I think uh, playing with Matthew Stafford for two years was kind of the same guy he, he wants to kind of just live his life and um, is sort of you know doesn't really relish that opportunity to be in the spotlight 24-7 so I think with Aaron I mean he's a guy where you know you could go two months without talking to him and then for the next two days, you're just, you know, calling back and forth, texting back and forth. I think uh, it just kind of comes with the territory. But he's a guy, I think he definitely cares about um, all of his teammates. And he he seems like he's going to be definitely a friend for life.
4: What about Mike McCarthy? You, you played for Mike, obviously, and now he went down to Dallas. I guess what kind of coach would you dis- like? How would you describe Coach McCarthy other than his strong pittsburgh roots and, and pat is a pittsburgh guy and pittsburgh. Loves he loves being a yinzer coach mccarthy loves the same do you think he has the similar success down in dallas
3: i think he does only because uh, Just not fucking only because, house that one- drink
0: <laughs> 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 i mean slaughterhouse yeah. how that drink how do, you, how do you know mike mccarthy's
3: from pittsburgh because he tells you <laughs> hey, that's why no geez. Um, I loved Mike. I think he's gonna. I think he set up set up for success in Dallas. Um, he's got a veteran group down there, especially on the offensive side of the ball. With I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens with Dak. But um, the one thing about Mike that I always really loved about him was he was he was an O line guy. I mean, he was an offensive line, defensive line guy. You know, if we were going up to him. Um, third week of training camp, saying Mike, the guys are grumbling. Man, they're you know they're a little sore. Can we take the pads off today? Okay, sure. Let's put the pads on for individual, and you know we'll take them off for team drills. Just little stuff like that, just to let you know that he cares about you. You know, I think I liked Mike a lot. um I think his strongest assets uh, were definitely he gets he can get the team fired up. You know, I, I think he really? he's, he's a guy when he sits there in teams team meetings the night before games. Um, I used to tell him, you should do these speeches like 20 minutes before the game, man, because now I'm all fired up. I got to go sleep. I'm going to have a hard time sleeping because I'm all jacked up. I'm ready to go right now. Is this where you AJ
0: know? got it from? Is this is, it, AJ, is Is this where you got your motivational speeches from?
4: Yeah. So, TJ, it's something you, you don't know that happens on the show. Pat tries to get me to give like an inspirational speech at the end of every show, and it's garbage, and it doesn't. <laughs> TJ, you know me well enough. That's not my thing. And, and Pat tries to – shoehorn it in and make it happen but also was it was it his message or was it coach mccarthy's mock turtlenecks that he wore under his sport coat
3: (laughs) (laughs) the mock turtlenecks mixed in with like a little newspaper boy hat definitely (laughs) definitely added a little bit of motivation there i think the one big thing is um you can tell when people are, are faking passion You know, you can tell when somebody's BS in their message and it's, you know, you just, it it doesn't come off right. He's
4: not, he wasn't scared to get emotional either. TJ, I think that's what made it real. And
3: we got excited when that happened. Exactly. That was the biggest thing is that his face would just get beat red. You know, he'd start tearing up when he was talking about stories or trying to get. Get the guys going and anytime that happens to me i'm an irish man I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little soft you know when another man's crying i start crying yeah. too. i mean that's just how it goes so mike mike i think that's his best best asset that he brings as a head coach is is getting the guys to play for him making them want to not let him down on sundays i, I think that's that that's a huge factor in what nfl coaches have to do now because on the other side like, kind of what we went with Patricia for a little bit was we wanted to go perform at a high level so he wasn't bitching at us. You know, with Mike, it was kind of we want to go perform at a high level because, man, he this guy's passionate.
0: You know, we want to we want to win this thing for him. So the night before, he's giving speeches where he's, like, crying. Like, hey, like, hey, these guys are supposed to beat you by 40. Like, that type of stuff? Is it, like, one for the Gipper? Or, or what are the type of speeches that old Mike oh. McCarthy Yenzer's given out there?
4: Well, teach, <laughs> it usually had to do that there was always multiple streets named – in the neighborhood he grew up in Pittsburgh, and <laughs> it was usually telling some story from his childhood with his dad driving dump trucks. There's all kinds of famous Mike McCarthy please Saturday go, Night stories. We just go down the it, strip. It really affected. Yeah, he'd talk about all the streets, his dad's bar down the
3: road, like all of it. It was amazing. Yeah, he would find a way to uh, talk about boar hunting down in Texas and somehow relate it to like what we're supposed to do against the Vikings the next day, which didn't really make a lot of sense when you kind of explain it afterwards. But during the moment, during that five minutes, you're just like ready to run through a wall for the guy. You, you, think,
0: you think those stories are potentially what's holding up the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott's deal? <laughs> Could be. Could
3: be. I don't think Jason Garrett was the type of guy that really did a whole lot of boar thing or <laughs> never visited Pittsburgh.
0: A lot of clapping out of that guy. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, Matty Stafford was so cool. I got a chance to meet him. I'd never met him before. I met him at a, a wedding this past off, uh, off season. It was an Illuminati wedding. I mean, the people that were there were super high-end people. We were not supposed to be there. Who, Whose wedding? Coonan. It was uh, my agent's wedding. And I don't know how Foxy and I ended up there. We were there. We were not supposed to be Shouldn't there. Shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been. I mean, it was, it, was, I mean they, it was really... Everybody's very nice, but it was way above our standards. Maddie Stafford was there, though. Got a chance to meet him. Cool guy. One of the coolest dudes I've ever encountered. I think he can sling that thing too. You think that his career has been wasted in Detroit? TJ Lang from Detroit, Michigan.
3: I wouldn't say wasted yet, only because I feel like he's got a long, long ways to go. You know, if if uh, right, we got you know. a big
0: Lions fan back here, TJ. one of your biggest, one of the biggest Lions fans potentially in existence is in the in the <laughs> back uh, window there. So these positive things are, and he loves Maddie. I needed that, TJ. Really I'm hate.
3: aware, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, one day we'll be our Euro.
0: Someday. That's
3: why we're still here. Someday. <laughs> but going back to your question, I, I think, uh, you know, in the next three, four, five years, who knows, man, if they can get over a hump and he can um, hoist the trophy over his head, you know, at 35, 36 years old, his career definitely would have been wasted. I think Amen. The, the, the type of things that he's gone through in Detroit from the, you know, Devastating playoff losses to an 0 16 season. I mean, it's just been every end of the spectrum you can possibly have. And for the guy to still want to be here and want to be in Detroit and want to win for this city, I think says a lot about his character. And like you said, I mean, he's one of the most, he's one of the coolest dudes I've ever met. Um, you know, different guy from a star quarterback type of level. Almost seems like a Cali surf bro type of guy. You he's know, one with of an us. Attitude that's just like, he, whatever he, man. let's do it yeah know, he's a
0: cool dude he really is he's one of us i always refer to people as like uh he's one of us like he's like uh he is. there's there's people that aren't that are very successful like for instance i don't think tom brady's one of us right Like guy that guy eats avocado ice cream no way so whenever i say like he's one of us it's like uh like yeah i, I think he would fit in very well on the show i think he would do very well on the
3: show 100 percent. i agree with you i'm rooting for the guy man just being able to play with him for a short two seasons um, wish I could have played with him longer. You know, with the body broke down. But he—he's just uh, such a fearless guy, man. You see the, the 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 pain that he plays through, the injuries that he plays through. Um, they're they're inspirational, man, and it wears off on the rest of the team. It kind of sets that pain management level, saying, you know, crap, man, I got a sprained ankle. Stafford's over there with broken bones in his back, and he's still out there playing, man. I got I got to get my ass out there. You know, I think that's contagious to a team, and definitely sets a good example. So. I'll always be a lifetime Stafford fan, man. He's he's one of the best guys and best teammates you could possibly ask for.
4: So what do you think it takes, though, for Detroit? I know there's plenty of, uh, of rumors out there that it's a, a win or, or get fired for this staff. Like, how many wins is that? What does it look like?
3: I don't know. I mean, from everything I've heard, it's, you know, I think the ownership right now is expecting playoffs, you know, whether that's, I don't know, there's been some years where you get in the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. There's some years it takes 11 wins to get in. So um, I think if they get to 9 or 10 wins and show a lot of, obviously, drastic improvement, that they can show management that they're going in the right way, and I think that would be a good starting point. I think uh, another 6-7 win season um, might be just enough you know, from ownership. They might want to bring somebody else in because when you have – You know, three years, I think that's kind of where everybody wants those immediate results right now. But three years is, you know, kind of getting up there a long time in the NFL. So I'm rooting for them, man. I think they can get over the hump just because you look at what they did last year was one of the weirdest years I've ever seen. Out of an NFL team where they've had a lead in almost every single game, and yet they
0: lost, you know, 12 of them and tied one. (laughs) So devastating. Like such a heartbreaking season. Every week it was like, Foxy's, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then they did, they just, they did, they did it. They didn't do it. David Blau. <laughs> Drew Blau. It's every Drew year, Blau. though. Like I'm used to this. Yeah, David Blau?
3: David Blau, yeah. Drew, Drew Blau. Blau.
0: <laughs> I asked Matt uh, Patricia right to his face uh, if he was planning on starting Drew Blau or something like that. Drew Blau. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Blau. And he was like, that's not his name or like, that's Well, at least uh, you know. Was, I'm happy you He, he was
3: fuming inside. I can promise you that. Oh, God. Blau
0: put on a show, though. <laughs> Blau put on a show. Uh, TJ. Some of my favorite things about you have been what you've been doing on Twitter. Can we go through a couple of these real quick and I can just get a little bit more because uh, you, you're you only confined to so many characters on Twitter. I'd like to hear a little... Uh, analysis? Yeah, a little analysis yeah. on your tweets. Sure,
3: why don't you start and I'll kind of... All right, let's put the one up there that
0: uh, is uh, when you motion Jimmy Graham into help with your pass pro, and he blocks Warren Shop then tweeted a video of Jimmy Graham uh, literally just getting... Uh, smoked i mean he didn't <laughs> even touch the guy and tj lane goes totally unfair to ask a tight end to block the right pro football talk because mike florio's big thing is that they shouldn't have tight ends blocking these people and then when mm-hmm. a video shows that it's like it's almost like oh jimmy graham didn't even attempt to block that guy is that what you were saying is that what you were uh, uh mentioning
3: so it started about a week before that um so. Playing in Green Bay for so long and playing with Detroit, obviously, I have a pretty big hatred. And being from Detroit, I have a pretty big hatred for Chicago sports. So I would say most of my bashing um, usually comes. from some sort of Chicago sports team. So any type of signing they make, where if somebody signed in Detroit, I'd say it's awesome. If they signed in Chicago, I'd say that's a terrible move. That's just kind of what I do. It's been that way for a long time. It goes back to the old Blackhawks-Red Wings rivalry, which um, hasn't been there in in the past five years, so can't mention that. Um, But anyways, I put out a tweet about, you know, Jimmy Graham saying, well, Chicago's going to utilize me, hopefully, to my strengths. And all I said was, well, I guess... You're not going to be blocking very much. You know? <laughs> Got it. Um, not trying to bash Jimmy Graham per se, but it was more just trying to get the Chicago fans riled up. Um, anyways, pro football talk. You know, Mike Florio, great friend of mine, great guy, um, went <laughs> wrote an article about how he thinks it's unfair to ask. You know. Past basketball players now turn NFL tight end to block. It's not part of their game. They should just be strictly receivers. Okay, that was the whole article. Um, I think he called me a meathead in it while he was writing, which, you know, no offense taken. I actually take that as a compliment. Um, But then, you know, this Warren Sharp guy puts out this video, and so I kind of sent it back to Pro Football Talk saying, is this what you meant by, you know, (laughs) this is totally unfair to asking a tight end to uh at least try to put a hand on somebody never got a response so still waiting i'll let you know when i hear back
0: uh tj i will let you know that there's a guy in here who uh is a massive green bay packer fan and your tweets about jimmy graham have brought him actual happiness in his life because every single week when jimmy graham was on the television and you were near Ty Schmidt, who's a diehard Green Bay Packer fan. All you would say is, fucking waste of money, that guy. Like, the guy makes a catch, even if the guy made a catch, like a big time catch, I'm like, look yeah. what Jimmy Graham just said. Ah, he'll fuck it up in a second. There weren't
2: very <laughs> many big time catches, I can
0: assure you. <laughs> he was, I mean, he was not happy. So watching you just roast him publicly because of your spout with Florio and Chicago <laughs> was a massive thing for Ty. I think you also hit somebody else. Did he, is there another, yeah. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Tweeted that the Panthers tried to send Cam Newton to the Bears and Chargers. They found no takers, and at this point, no starting jobs are available. Obviously, Cam Newton would then go on to get cut. And TJ Lang says, Imagine picking Nick Foles in his contract, which is like 80 million over Cam Newton. TJ Lang, I'm on your side here. I don't know why Cam Newton doesn't have a gig right now. I am very confused about it, especially at the price that he was at 21 million. That's less than any starting quarterback is probably going to make that is in a second contract or more in the NFL.
3: I'm absolutely with you. I think when you look at the type of player he is and how dynamic he can be, um, I don't know. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. I don't know if teams are just kind of turned off by his um, sort of characteristic, the charisma that he brings, the post-game outfits that he wears, kind of the attention that he always brings with himself. Um, the one thing I can only think of, though, is the health you know, concerns that, that, is, that are going on. Foles, though. I'm with you too. I mean, this is a guy who got hurt and lost his job to, you know, an undrafted guy in Gardner Minshew. Was good Minshew undrafted? I think he was. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, a guy who wasn't even supposed to play this year. So, um, but make the connection once again. We're still, you know, we're talking about Chicago Bears and their <laughs> signings. So, there's the, there's the connection. It's a easy one. I'm with you though, man. I think Cam is mm-hmm. definitely a guy who has a lot left in his bucket uh, man he's got a lot of ball that he can play if he stays healthy maybe he's a guy that just needs a change of scenery you know uh, who knows but I, I i if you're holding my head to the fire right my hand of fire and say and pick nick Foles or cam newton right now i'm picking cam newton probably 10 out of 10 times
0: me too especially like how pissed off it seems like he is he's saying on his instagram the carolina basically pushed him out and he's training i mean it just looks like he's getting back to form uh there was a couple youtube yeah. comments here uh, a guy named Owen Sheever asked, what is it like whenever a veteran offensive lineman leaves, like Bulaga, right, leaves the Packers? How hard is that as a human to fill in the offensive line? Because a lot of it revolves around you guys getting along. Is that, that's a pretty big deal for offensive linemen.
3: Absolutely. The chemistry is uh, number one on the level of importance, I think, to uh, have success as a group. Um, you know, as a young guy, I watched Mark Tauscher leave and Chad Clifton leave um, those guys were in years 11 and 12. So you kind of knew that, you know, their, their careers were winding down. And as a young guy, you have a totally different output, right? Now you're saying, Hey, you know, finally, I got a chance to go, go prove myself, but it's when it's one of your buddies, one of your best friends, like 2016, Josh sitting getting cut the last day of training camp. Um, it just tot- totally, totally you. And you're saying, man, this has been my running mate for eight straight years. You know, what the hell am I going to do? Because now I'm thrown into the uh, elder statesman, kind of, of the uh, of the offense, and as the offensive line, I'm not ready for that. I, I you know, my, Josh and I, we always had the same attitude, the same approach to work. It's fun, kind of, when you have the same guy right there that you can play with, and and uh, just look forward to seeing each other every day. So it was incredibly difficult, not only from the standpoint of losing one of your best friends, but that's a big asshole. We got a left guard. We got to fill now. And, and hopefully the next guy's ready for it because that's those big shoes, man. There's a lot of expectation that come with playing that position. Um, so it was, it was definitely tough. I think it took me probably, you know, three or four games to kind of get used to it, you know, to not having Josh over there making the calls and, and instead of me now, you know, instead of sharing that duty, it kind of all, all fell on me. But, um, it was my first real taste i would say that was in my seventh year of i'm sorry that was in my beginning of my eighth year that was my first taste of business like football where you had to like all of a really good player not only was he a really good player but he was also one of my best friends on the unit. It was extremely difficult. And I kind of I felt bad about it because the guy who took his spot, Lane Taylor, was a young player in his third year, kind of coming up like I had earlier in my career. And I kind of <laughs> I kind of took it out on him a little bit. I wouldn't talk to him for a little while. I wouldn't oh, talk to him for a little while. But at the, at the end of the day, you're like, what the hell am I doing, man? This is my teammate. You know, his success – it's very important to, to my success and what we were trying to do as a team, so I felt like a dick after a while. but yeah, you um, It's just part of the business, man. That was the first time I think I actually went through it where it really stung, man. It stung deep. I actually shed tears over it, and it, it hurt really hard.
0: Listen to this. Peach, hey. On. AJ, AJ, real quick. One more comment from the internet. Oh. Brian no. Steer says, um, TJ Lang looks like a guy who'd own a tiger. Yeah. Just want to let you know that that was said about you, TJ. Um, I think. I mean, I'm not shot. against it. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, uh, did you see Tiger? You saw Tiger King?
3: Oh, of course I did. bro. One of the wackiest things I've ever watched in my life.
0: AJ and I are big fans of it. There's some people that are coming out saying it wasn't that entertaining. If you couldn't find entertainment what? in that, I don't know what was, I don't know what is going on there. Matthew, Dude, after after the second episode, I really, like, I had to remind myself
3: that this is real. <laughs> there's, like, so many different plots, and it's just going all these different ways. Like, I'm like, this is, there's no way this isn't made up. It was absolutely insane. It was one of my favorite documentaries I've watched outside of the... Uh, Bingo. What was the other one, the cat killer one that kind of had the same vibe? Like, this is what you think it's going to be, oh, then bam. Like, holy shit, what the hell was that? You don't know? fuck it with It was cats. just totally crazy. Oh, yeah. Every great. single second of it was exhilarating. Agreed. Carol Baskin definitely killed her ex over- <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Have you heard the cuck come out? The cuck Howard Baskin came out, or Caskin, Baskin. He came out, and he had a 10-minute, like, telling everybody to stop blaming Carol for the death of Dawn in 1997 and how malicious it was, uh, the whole documentary was. I'm sorry, AJ. That's on me.
4: Well, no, my last thing, pivoting off of that, didn't you see uh, recently, didn't the cops open up the investigation again for the disappearance of her first husband?
3: Yeah, just yesterday, I think, I saw.
4: What do you think? What do you think? You think they take her down?
3: Oh, man. I don't know. She's kind of scary. I don't know if I'd want to mess with her. Very scary. Very, very scary. actually re-watching the documentary now for the second time um you kind of pick up on some things that you missed the first all time. seven
4: parts all seven all episodes? seven dude
3: well because i watched it by myself to start with because mm-hmm. it's easier for me to take my computer into the bathroom when i'm doing business and just watch it knock out an episode uh, but now my <laughs> wife wants to watch it because all the girls your wife included are talking so 55 about 55
4: minute it. dump there Bro, <laughs> that's everyone's. That's everyone's.
3: you can't be doing that, that those that's things probably that's, that's probably my median, medium dump time. I would say <laughs> minutes. Um, had some long ones, had some short ones. But it's my office, man. It's where I go to work. It's where I read the news. You know,
1: had some. I
3: actually, what rewatching true. it the second time, you kind of pick up on some things, and I think Carol definitely had something to do with it, but her dad kind of seemed like the guy who mm-hmm. might have actually done the dirty work because it was always oh carol and her dad her dad hated don her dad hated this her dad after don was gone hung up a poster about you know we'll never speak his name again in this house i mean just a lot of crazy shit that you pick up the second time watching it through so um my biggest thing my question i put out actually last week on twitter was carol was saying oh don was telling me he's getting up really really early and he's flying somewhere you know he's he's just he's taking off for the day well, if you knew he was getting up really early and traveling, why would you report him missing the very next morning? Mm. You know, that was my biggest question. Ah. I, went, I took a couple criminal criminology classes in, in school. So I kind of start, brain starts working a little bit. I watch live
0: PD and Dateline. I got questions too.
3: Dude, I got a lot of questions. But listen, man, if like, if, if your friend says, says, hey, I'm leaving tomorrow, I'm going to be gone for a while. Would you report him missing the next day? No, you Ah. think he just he just left? He just got on his plane and he left. That's what he told me. He's doing. He's gone.
0: Well, and I wouldn't wouldn't write that's fishy. And I wouldn't write in the will upon his disappearance. Bingo. Bingo.
3: Bingo. Bingo. Hey Pat, how are you feeling today? By the way, I watched the show a little bit. You're actually looking better than I thought you were going to. You
0: know, I'm a dumper. I, I don't do the 55-minuters. I do do a 10, 15. Every once in a while, I can't feel my feet. But usually, if food comes in, it's coming out. Now, not in a rapid fashion because I have put on some pounds. I'm trying to lose them. But I, I think most of the McDonald's got out of me. I was aching, though. Oh no, I, don't, I still don't know why. My body was just, like, achy. I couldn't really fall asleep. Mm. I, it was t- I think it's the sodium and probably my clogged arteries.
3: Well, I can tell you, uh, you don't have any kids yet, right? No, nah, no. Nah. No. Yeah, wait till you have kids. Those long dumps will start stacking up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going golfing. That's why, that's why golf is so long. That, I honestly believe that was the case. They're like, oh, what's a game we can just make seven hours fucking <laughs> Seven hours. I don't know how people do it. I, don't
3: DJ, hey, I agreed with you. One thing you said yesterday was uh, how great the quarter pounder is. Oh, it's the best. Oh, my God. It is. I got to tell you, whatever they changed in that recipe, I don't know how long it was ago. It doesn't seem like that long. Maybe in the past year. Yeah, That is the best burger that I've had in probably the past six months. It is. It's oh, so you've legit. had
0: better burgers than that, though?
3: I mean, I have, but not at the convenience. I mean, the best burger I have so, is probably a 45-minute drive, you know? I could go two minutes down the road and pick up a quarter pounder and be absolutely delightful.
0: That's Detroit, though, you know? That's why place It's true.
3: We have some great restaurants here. I don't want to be bashing Detroit restaurants. I just kind of live out in the boonies where I'm not really close to any of them.
0: What is it, Greek Town or something like that? They got a cas- Jeez, AJ. <laughs> <Did you> just- <laughs> he
1: just
0: disappeared. He just came out of like a cloud over there. It was a Greek Town in Detroit or something like that. There's a casino and everything like that.
3: Yeah, Greek Town is a cool little place right downtown there, not far from the. Uh- Great you know, time. three stadiums we got down there. Got a bunch of good little Greek restaurants, Greek Town Casino. Yeah, we've got three casinos downtown, which is, uh, mm. you know, I'm not really a blackjack type guy. I'm more of a minus three type of guy over the 48. But um, <laughs> They just did just open up the sports book down there, which uh, inconveniently now nobody can go to. But I will probably spend a little bit more time down there. It's a great part of town.
4: TJ, last thing for me. Does Tom Brady and the Bucks win the Super Bowl this year?
3: No, I what? don't think they win the Super Bowl. I think they get better. I think they. Win. Um, How much better? Way better,
0: all the way better. They might go into really. Field.
3: I don't know. I kind of, you know, rewatching some of the games from last year, the playoffs. You watch Tom Brady in the game against Tennessee. He did not look good, man. Like, just, How like, alarkey. I don't know. I mean, Pat, I know you're you, you're on the Tom Brady train. And you still Hard. think he's a good deep ball thrower. I, Hard. I, just, t- I didn't kind of t- see t- it. You Tell know? me! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of, it kind of reminds me of Peyton Manning at the end of his career where, you know, he kind of lost the spot to Brock Osweiler a little bit there, came back, obviously won the Super Bowl. But you watched some of the balls that he used to throw was just struggling on, you know, and it didn't look the same. I, I think what he will bring to that team, obviously, is – um, You know, anytime you have somebody that's won that many championships automatically, you have just this larger than life figure that raises, elevates the, the rest of your roster and, and what the expectations are. I think they will benefit definitely from having, having him that way. Um, you know what? Though? I don't know. You're really making me think they might win the damn Super Bowl. They got a I lot do of on that offense, bro. <laughs> <Well, laughs> you know, talk talk yourself Godwin into it already. They oh, are so Godwin good. Godwin and Evans and OJ Howard. I don't know, man. They've 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 got a chance to have a, definitely a, a really really awesome offense at least.
0: Think about and Todd Bowles took that defense from 32 to five. The um the <laughs> I think the biggest thing, now this could be me being wrong because the quarterback doesn't know the offense, but you would just think that Tom Brady would have the ability to learn football I don't know, actually. You have 20-year-old dog, new tricks. I guess you, I should ask you that this question. No OTAs, right? So none of these rookies are really going to get baptized into these programs. I mean, they might be able to learn the playbook, but everybody knows how important reps are. There's a reason why walkthroughs happen and practices happen, and you can't just learn everything from an iPad or a playbook. With no OTAs, no preparation, really, it sounds like, unless there's a shortened training camp or something along those lines. Whatever happens. With limited time to prepare... Who does that benefit? Does that that benefits the older like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are in a good spot, right? Because they're mm. they're not going to add a lot of sh- shit for them to not understand. Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay is that going to hurt them because he obviously has never played it down in that style of offense, or will that help them because everybody else is not going to have as much preparation as much uh, just like he wouldn't. Like, does that make any sense? I don't know.
3: Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. I was just thinking that in my head as you were talking, was the teams that are going to strive, I I think, are your Kansas City Chiefs. who There's not a lot of turnover on that roster. Obviously, the playbook's probably going to be the exact same. You know, the expectations are going to be high. They just won the Super Bowl. Kind of reminds me of age back after we won the Super Bowl and we missed the whole offseason. You know, we we didn't show up until training camp. We came in that year and went 15-1. and You know, we were just rolling, man, because we didn't have a lot of changeover. We had a majority of the same roster, the same coaches, the same schemes. Everything was the same. So, although we were still training on our own the whole offseason, it wasn't like shit, man. I, I God, I'm going to be so overwhelmed now because I got to learn a whole new playbook. I got to do all this different shit that's going on. We didn't have that. We, we were rolling teams, man. We went 15 and one that year. Um, didn't win the Super Bowl, but you know, we, we that was one of the best teams I ever played on. And I think a lot of that was having that. Um, continuity even though we weren't in the off season we weren't together all OTAs we still rolled in man and it was the first day we got there we picked up right where we left off the previous season after the Super Bowl and I think that those teams with you know the Chiefs um, are going to be you know they're probably going to have a head start
0: Niners
3: the Niners are going to have a head start I think New England's going to struggle I think Dallas Although with all the talent they have, might struggle a little bit because it's going to be a new scheme. With um, Coach, Coach, Coach McCarthy's going to want to change some some things up to to what he likes. So uh, definitely, you're absolutely right, man. The teams that uh, that are staying together with the, with the same coaching staff and the same returning uh, the majority of the core players are definitely going to have a head start when this thing's all said and done. Huh. Uh, Age, would you agree?
4: Absolutely. I think Pat had Clyde Christensen who was Tom Brady's new quarterback coach on earlier today and his show. And Clyde said like there's a premium on teams with vet quarterbacks that like have that leadership because every great team is is run through the quarterback. Like the quarterback sets the tone. If he's the if he's the main guy, if he's the stud Everyone, it trickles down to everybody where everyone wants to get better, and they do get better. So, yeah, there's absolutely a premium when you have no offseason.
0: You think Tom Brady's running 11 wide on Zoom right now? Going through. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he is? Like, all right, uh, Chris, where are we going with this? I'm going inside the, uh, tight end blah, 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 linebacker. Like, Do you think that's what people are going to have to do? These quarterbacks are going to have to get creative, I think. if I mean, who knows how long this is going to last. I don't think anybody knows, but they're going to have to get really creative. Um, TJ. Yeah, buddy. I don't want to speak for A.J. because A.J. is a great speaking man, but, hey, we appreciate the hell out of you coming on here, man. I appreciate it, man. It's
3: good catching up with you guys. I'm sorry if I upset the sponsors with the story I told (laughs) her in the beginning. I, I don't. I thought that's why you wanted me on this show and not the morning show, so I could speak yeah. my mind.
0: Yeah, well, you fucking blew it for us, but. <laughs> morning, uh, I'll buy the- you some headphones. The morning show. The-, the-, the morning show. <laughs> Earphones. The uh, earbuds. Earbuds, <laughs> by the way. Earbuds. <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. The uh, by the way, they don't have any dangling stems. Those Raycons E twenty five, they just go right in your ear. It's great bass. It's all oh, it, mm-hmm. and it's half the price of the premium brands. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That Raycon. Ask him. Ken. Mm. Uh, the morning show though can only get a max time because I have to go to a commercial break. I felt like we were going to have a good extended conversation. That's why I thought coming in the afternoon would be a smart decision. And, and by the way, bingo, bingo.
1: <laughs> you nailed
3: it, dude. That's why you get paid the big bucks let's do it again next week though man this is fun it kind of gets me away from the family for. A little
0: bit. <laughs> yeah now you're gonna go take a dump you'll have a good two and a half hours away from the family in the middle of the day dad of the year we how many um you had a, how many kids you have i've got three my oldest is eight uh
3: my daughter's four and then baby boy will be two here about a little about a month and a half nailed it full house hour.
0: well i hope you're enjoying it aj's having a blast oh, teaching his kids.
3: Oh, I know he is. Hall of Fame dad.
0: <laughs> Hall of Fame dad. Look at that jawline, dude. AJ's face looks like a shovel. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, the lighting, I mean, you, you just, you have this, you have this face that just looks like, you look like the toughest guy on earth, AJ. Literally, does he not, TJ? It's not true. Man. No, it's like a 1400s, like, stone sculpture.
3: You can see AJ's face. There's not many times a guy, like, grows his hair out and then cuts it and gets better looking. I think AJ is one of those guys, though. Uh, definitely, 100%. I'll take it. That a boy. 100 uh,
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champ, dad of the year, about to go take an hour and a half dump, TJ. <laughs> yeah! Thanks, TJ. Thank you, Good Teej. Good talking to you guys, man. Boy, See you Teej. later. See you, man. Uh, great conversation there with TJ Lang. Beast. AJ is hilarious, man. I am a big AJ Hawk fan. Massive. We all are. He did blow me off yesterday, Dornat McDonough. Connor, not the biggest fan, but (laughs) (laughs) now here we are calling AJ back because the only way we can call is a group FaceTime. I think the Zoom, by the way, I I did Frank Caliendo show yesterday on the Zoom. Interesting. Very interesting. Did it work? Uh, Yeah, it worked, but it's not. People are pushing it way out of control, like as if it's the best invention of all time. I'm not 100% sure that's the case, but... I can understand how people like it. Very simple to use. You just kind of hit a button, and you're there, and then it's all there, and then they record it. It's, it seems like it's very simple to use. Great invention. But it wasn't as nice as I thought it was going to be. I th- There were six people on the call. I could only see four at a time. I thought we were having the entire... Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I thought we were having the entire crew there. It was... That's Uh, interesting, because I feel like I came home to one the other day, and it was good for business, because I saw like 25 people on the screen. Yeah, I saw some guy's dick in the lower right corner. Yeah, Yeah, he's just dancing around. (laughs) Jeez,
1: People were dumping him out.
0: Picasso? Guy didn't know he was on camera. He he was his first time on Zoom. They're having an entire conference meeting or whatever. He thought it was just on sound. He comes, while they're talking, he mutes it, does a quick change, shower, comes back, dick swinging. The The entire meeting just stops, basically. Is that real? That really
4: happened? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of those Zooms where like one I think some girl went and sat down on the toilet and everyone could see her. Like are they not aware when you have your camera and there's a light on on your
0: camera that they can see you? Well, there's options. So on the uh, the cell phone on the uh the iPhone one, there's one screen where it just shows who's talking. And then you got to scroll with your thumb over to the next one that has a panel of people. And then you got to scroll again if there's more uh, more than four for the next panel of people. So I think if you stay on that first screen and you don't know to, to pan, you have no idea that you're on camera the entire time. You are live that entire time with everybody else and a guy put his dick out on her.
4: That's awesome. <laughs> I, it's probably safe to just assume you're always on camera, especially if you're on a Zoom call with 15 coworkers. People are stupid. Yep. (laughs) Some people, some people.
0: Um, You want to take some questions from? um, Sure. Are you mad at the YouTube commenters? (laughs) No, I just knew where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes uh, we like to dive deep into the most beautiful place of the Internet. The YouTube comments with YouTube questions. YouTube questions. Zito, you got any over there, bub? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Jeremy Markoski. Uh, asks, this, is a, this is a very hard, a lot of hard words, so uh, bear with me. Uh, Ask the guys if they think the career longevity yep. should positively or negatively affect a player's legacy or not at all. <laughs> Great reading. I mean, top five reading right there. Uh, yeah, longevity. Honest. Oh, I, I messed up. Longevity. Oh, my. Longevity. There we yeah. Hey, there we go. Yeah. Uh G-Silent. Do you mean if you play longer, um, your legacy should be bigger and better? Yes. Well, I assume he asked me that question because I retired after year eight, after being dominant and retiring in my prime, instead of just holding on for an extra couple of years. I assume that's why that question was asked. I think those who can do it longer, Are impressive. Like like the fact that Vinatieri is kicking into his forties. I think the fact that you can remain at a competitive level mentally, that you want to still drive yourself to work physically, to continue to be one of the top people in your class in your profession. And not hit a lump or a, or a drought or uh, just a a t- a stinkness. I think if you can play for a long time, you're great. That's why we had a guy on what 13 years. He never made a Pro Bowl or something like that. Who's that? Ted Ginn. How many years has Ted Ginn been in the NFL? Four, 14, right? 14 years. Never made the Pro Bowl. I was like, how is this even? How can a guy be in the NFL for 14 years? He's gotten what 45 contracts at this point, and he's not in a Pro Bowl to last long. I think it goes hand in hand. If you last long in the NFL, you're great at football. That's just kind of the tie, in I. Think think for some people who retire young myself you know barry sanders I like luck I can't, andrew luck i can't, do I can't
4: put myself what, in there but it's like uh terrell davis remember him in denver he's in the hall of fame i think he only played eight or nine years and that was always the argument like did he have enough years of dominant play to get him in the hall of fame obviously he did he's in but people always wondered yeah i guess if you put in the longevity all it does is just it keeps you out there longer making plays Year after year after year. Are,
0: are you a potential Hall of Famer one day?
4: Uh no. But thanks. Uh, why not? Okay. <laughs> it's like arguing about legacy. Like, oh what do you want your
1: legacy to be? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you make Pro Bowls? You're a Pro Bowler, right?
4: No, I think the year we went to the Super Bowl, I as an alternate I would have played if I wasn't in the Super Bowl.
0: Oh, so you, so you didn't give only any Bowls? No.
4: Oh, that's bullshit. You got to get in early. Well, you got to get in early. Now it's way different. Now they're taking the 15th alternate like on how it goes. Oh yeah. But um yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's it's not an easy thing to do, especially when in the NFC you got Erlacher and Lance Briggs both on the Chicago Bears at the same time too early in my career. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's studs everywhere, man. Everyone's you. You said like, oh, if someone can last a long time in the NFL, it means they're they're, they're great players. They're really good. You can make the argument that anyone that has played, oh yes, of any course. kind of football in the NFL is great. Of course, it's it's all relative. There's different levels, of course. But yeah, I mean, I think the longer you, can, it's it's just more impressive. Guys like tom brady that he's never really had a lull he's never hit the wall yeah to where now if you listen wow. to tj but tj even talked himself out of that argument saying tom brady didn't look the same yeah as no. he started thinking about it more and more so yeah yeah it's all it's weird man when someone could do it for that long how old is Vinatieri now
0: 45 jeez they, they don't know what's gonna happen either I, i'm not asking him he's in is middle. he a free agent yeah
4: so would he play somewhere else
0: New England needs a kicker. I don't think he'll go back to New England, but the um, (laughs) (laughs) maybe I don't know. I I don't don't think he would go back. I think he would go to a place that you know, like for instance, if Tampa needed a kicker, right? They have a punter that kicks off. They're a team that's potentially going to go on a run. He knows what everybody in that building basically. But you'd have to rely on his rehab that's happening right now, right? Everything's Pat. I I want to ask
4: you about your guy Adam Schefter. Did you see where he kind of got upset? He got a little bothered. And he my said, this draft is happening with, with carnage on the streets, and they're acting like it's business as usual.
0: Like, What do you think about him taking a stand against the league? I, by the way, according to my sources, <laughs> I am a massive Adam Schefter fan. I am a massive Adam Schefter fan. He was at that wedding that I was with with Matty Stafford. And they're- yeah,
4: it's CAA, of course. CAA reps a- every big actor and athlete in the world.
0: Yeah, you can get
4: lost in a shuffle in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyways yeah. Um, yeah. He, I love him But he did get upset about that on Center or, or, or First Take or Get Up whatever it was I did not expect that from Schefter by the way Because draft night Is a massive night for him I mean he is obviously That's a big night for him And the fact that he I would assume Which is what's happening to a lot of people I've been watching on the internet Is they're kind of cavalier and laissez-faire About COVID-19 And then somebody close to him right gets hit by it and then all of a sudden you put a face on the cause and it's like not only are we in quarantine the world's a lot different place but I just lost somebody that and I'm not I don't know if that's the case with Schefter but it sure felt like that came from an emotional standpoint right like he he had real passion in that I would assume he knows somebody or something happened to him relatively close that he's like hey this is this is not just a okay here we go about our business this is a completely different time people are passing away they got the, the streets are on lockdown I think that's why he did it but in my eyes, with all that being said, the draft is needed. Like, I, I think that this is. When something- does he
4: want it moved to? That's my question. Like, what, are we going to postpone it indefinitely? Like, what? Yeah. And also. We don't know
0: when it could open up. It could be two or three months from now. You can't do the draft then, can you? I would say the draft is needed more now for humans than it has ever been in the past this it's still a long time away and people are still thinking about it happening because it gives you hope i was on frank caliendo's podcast yesterday i said I mentioned earlier there's a guy named john on there that was a co-host with him good guy funny guy he's a radio host out in arizona he said when devin bush got drafted to the steelers last year he's a diehard steelers fan that lives in arizona he said he, he gave him like hope for his team for like the next 10 years like it was like he was so pumped up that the steelers got this De- uh, got devin bush it like gave him a moment he said this year if the the Steelers hit on anybody it's going to be a moment where he's going to think about the future he's going to think about what could be I think the draft is something that is needed at this moment but for me it sounded like Schefter had somebody close to him that experienced that very the most negative potential outcome from COVID-19 which is what's happening at a rapid rate I think like a thousand people a day at this point people are passing away it felt like he was not happy though he was pissed off that was out of character for Schefter. Absolutely and especially with ESPN,
4: you're, you're not really supposed to criticize the league or Roger Goodell either. They have a, a tight relationship. Monday Night Football, like they want to get better games year after year too, and it's up to the league to make those Monday Night games a little better.
0: That might be – I mean, what I, I called Alberto River on an idiot on get-up like what, every week for 17 yeah, weeks? Pretty much. And at, I this is – actually, these comments
4: came <sighs> after Roger Goodell put out a memo saying like – If you criticize us having the draft, there will be repercussions.
0: Disciplinary actions.
4: But I guess to
0: executives of teams and GMs, not media personalities. Hey, by the way, what a G sentence to put in that entire thing. Hey, here's what's happening. And by the way, the executive committee said something and I agree with them. Uh, This is for inside conversations only. Anybody that has complaints, take them up directly with us. This gets outside. None of us think that's good disciplinary action could happen. Go ahead and open your mouth and lose your fucking team.
4: (laughs) Do you think Roger wanted that memo out there? Like for for public consumption, not just the GMs?
0: No, but I think in that paragraph, the possible disciplinary actions, Dot dot dot. Like whoever sends this to Adam Schefter before everybody else gets this, you're going to be fired. That's what he should have seen because it was literally in there about what happened with Schefter. That's awesome. I mean, but whatever.
4: Just, what, if you put it in writing, you can expect it to get out there.
0: Yeah, for right? Sure. I'll, I'll, every time, if you put I, mean, even, I
4: guess his only chance would be to have a conference call with all of the teams, the the
0: execs, and
4: and verbally say it. But even then, it's still going to get leaked to the media somehow.
0: I got something in my left eye right now. <laughs> it's, like, it's the worst. It's just in my eye, dude. I don't know where it came from. Probably from the ceiling. Throw some water on there.
4: Keep rubbing your eyes and stuff. That's good to you. I heard it was COVID-19.
0: <laughs> there it is.
4: Oh. oh, all better. Good. You look good. Appreciate you doing that. Connor. I wanted to ask TJ. It's one thing I I forgot until now. I wanted to ask him what he thinks of the job Roger Goodell is doing. See, I go, what are your thoughts on Roger Goodell? I would imagine he would have a little mini rant on that one. Oh, my God. We should have asked him about Rob Manfred, (laughs) too, the the baseball guy. You know what scared me, Pat? I don't want to cut you off. Is that the British Open... Mm-hmm. NBC they or they not NBC but NBC carries it on TV but they canceled that and that's in the middle of July like that
0: that one worried me yeah there's quite a reaction from the boys here in the office whenever that made it on television that the open was being canceled that's a long time away now right and Mark Cuban one week ago was on ESPN very optimistic about a return and a start and then just yesterday he was like well, we're not sure we're not right. he kind of backed off it I think we are in a very much let's wait and see what the hell happens type world you know what I mean. Every day. Well, it seems
4: like doesn't it seem right now we're we're April second. It seems like this month we're gonna learn a lot of where we may go. Like come April thirtieth. I know a lot of different this is when some restrictions are scheduled to go to. I'm sure they could easily go longer, but it seems like these next three or four weeks we're gonna learn a lot about what's happening. You know or what? we
0: won't. Or we won't. <laughs> or we won't. <laughs> yeah. Or we won't. I'll say. I feel like I'm learning a lot about our government. You
4: know yeah, I mean? you know the good thing is it's a good thing we have Doctor Drew tomorrow to try to straighten hey! some things. Out. I know he's been very He's been very open about his criticism for the media creating this panic and creating chaos. Like, he even says, just listen to Dr. Fauci. Like, he's worked with Fauci back in the AIDS epidemic. I've listened to him talk about that a few times. And he says, hey, we listen to Dr. Fauci. He's great. But he, Dr. Drew, we'll get him going on the media because he despises some of the chaos he feels like the media may be creating.
0: So you're a big Dr. Drew fan, huh?
4: Yeah, I, I I, mean, Dr. Drew's everywhere. He uh, he has multiple podcasts. He has a podcast on Tom Segura's network with Tom and his wife. So, like, I hear a lot of stuff he does. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know and that. he's pretty jacked. I want to know what his workout regimen looks like.
0: Yeah, get that protein powder. <laughs> Dr. Drew used to sling dick tips. Now he's out here saving the world. <laughs>
4: I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that's what he's doing right now or not. I think he's still just practicing being a doctor, and he's also a media I am gonna member. Let it
0: be, I'm going to let it be known that I am pumped to, to talk to Dr. Drew. I used to watch him as a child in teenage years on MTV. Okay, I am pumped to talk to Dr. Drew. But booking of Dr. Drew is not easy. He's a very busy man, and I am worried that I might ask him. I might offend him with some of my questions. I, I, Have
4: you, you haven't seen a lot of stuff he's doing now then he's i don't think he gets easily offended by things like what could you offend him with
0: well like hey you're busy i don't give a fuck if you're on the show or not dr drew keep it moving that's what that's what i that's what i would like to say
4: (laughs) it wasn't that it wasn't a difficult but i don't know where you're getting all this info from
0: true true 100 percent true i was just told that dr drew was busy and there was a chance he wasn't gonna come on but then you reached out to segura and made it happen so i i guess i was wrong in what i was told about dr drew potentially being busy
4: yeah, he'll be fine. We just got to make sure we start the show at 1 because that's when he wants to come on. See, so that's when I'm he talking, can come on. Now Dr. Drew's telling me what to do. Oh, I, 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 don't, I, don't,
0: I don't like, you know what Well, I mean? when I tell him,
4: hey, the show starts at 1, goes to 2.30 or whenever, and he says, great, I can come on at 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific, I say, book it, we're in. I And agree. then you take that as Dr. Drew trying to big time us. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> you
1: understand, well, good. Though.
0: Then you can ask him about that tomorrow.
1: That's what doctors do their entire life is tell people what to do.
2: That's
0: all they know how to do. I'm gonna let Doctor Drew know. I, I don't. I don't love what he's done with my uh, schedule. I come out of a show at noon. I have to normally handle some calls, handle a grumpy or two, eat a lunch, and then I'm at 1-104, 105. o four, one o five. I'm trying my best, Doc. But I, 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 I'm excited for this conversation tomorrow.
4: Yeah, it should be. It should be good. We can ask him. I just want to know how this may. If he's given any thought to how. All of this COVID nineteen situation is going to affect sports. I don't know if he's he's been asked a whole lot about how it's going to affect the sporting world moving forward.
0: So he doesn't think this is a real thing. Is that is that what he's going? No, say? he
4: thinks it's a real thing.
0: Okay, okay,
4: okay. But why are we speculating on what he thinks?
0: I don't know what he thinks. I don't know anything about Dr. Drew other than he was on MTV. I'm pumped to talk about him. and to You're him. obviously
4: not. You've said multiple times how you're not You're not pumped. You actually run the tape back. You said, I don't really care if you're on here or not.
0: Well, that's what I just wanted to let
4: him know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, hey. Well, then that's how we start out the interview tomorrow with Dr. Drew then. That always butters up the guests and makes them feel good about themselves. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, no. I will butter him up as much as I possibly can. I grew up with the guy. I grew up with the guy. Is he a real doctor? Yes. Yeah, he is a real or doctor. Or like a college doctor. He's not a fan. So he's,
4: he's still a practicing doctor, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's an actual wow. doctor. I, 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 All right. I can't wait to talk to him. I'm, I'm going to tell him immediately that I'm excited to talk to him. I don't know why this
4: all of a sudden became a thing, like a 10-minute Dr. Drew chat. Speculate on what's going to happen
0: because I'm just thinking about how this show has to start immediately at one o'clock tomorrow, and it's because Doctor Drew has things to do. You know, he's he's a busy man. He's got a lot of stuff to do, which I appreciate and respect. But now he's now he's me on Feel Good Friday well, no. on Feel bl- Good Friday. Blame me
4: then, Pat. What? Blame me. If I mean, just tell me if I'm stupid here, if I'm ignorant. If someone tells me, hey, they reach out in the text and say, hey, can you come on my show? I'm saying, sure. When is it? When do you need me? Well, the show runs from like one to two thirty usually. Any time between then. Great. I can do one o'clock.
0: Okay. That's my fault.
4: That's not exactly like demanding certain
0: things. I agree. How long do we have with him? Do we know?
4: I don't know. 15 minutes.
0: Does he have a rider? Yeah. What does he need? Does he need Skittles? M&Ms?
4: He, yeah. I'll fax his rider over to you guys.
0: Perfect.
4: <laughs> I do need the call-in number that I, you seem to not be able to text back to me.
0: Can oh, I wait, got you. Is AJ. it a
4: FaceTime? No. It's just audio.
0: No. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doc.
4: Is he dead? I
0: don't know. We need a doctor. We'll need a doctor.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, AJ, thank you so much for today, man. That was awesome.
4: Thank you. Fun show. Can't wait till tomorrow.
0: Dr. Drew, your favorite guest, coming on. 1 o'clock p.m. sharp, right here. YouTube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show. Myself and AJ Hawk, Ohio State legend, Super Bowl champion, will be interviewing Dr. Drew of MTV.
4: Yeah. MTV of uh, which he hasn't been there in probably eighteen years, but yes, Doctor Drew,
0: orig- back in the day of MTV. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Doctor Drew, though, is a doctor, a real doctor, and a great mind on the COVID nineteen conversation, and we will talk to him about how this will affect sports hmm. and sex life. Hmm. His name's David. Doctor David Drew live tomorrow one o'clock. Eastern Standard Sharp on the phone won't be able to see him. Could be an impersonator, but we'll still have the brain of Dr. David Drew.
2: Pinsky. Pinsky. <laughs> Dave Pinsky.
0: What? Dave Drew Pinsky. Pinsky. But he's a doctor with his middle name? His last
4: name's Pinsky. Is his middle name Drew? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, his
3: real name is Dave Pinsky. <laughs> I think I live like next next that. Guy.
0: <laughs> All right, so Dr. Dave Pinsky will be joining us tomorrow. At one o'clock, Eastern Standard Time sharp. By the way, this could be a big interview. Like we could get Huge. some, we get some real answers out of Doctor Drew Bitsky.
4: Like what? What's he going to tell you? Groundbreaking.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe he'll hear something from like the FBA, FDA, and maybe like a doctor will, will have created something. A pharmacy was vaccine, a, a vaccine or something. Maybe that'll break on our show at one o two. Yes, triplets. Yeah, we can all hope. You can hope with one hand and shit in the other. See which one has. How... What's that saying? That's a saying. That is a saying. Everybody knows that's a cliche. AJ, you've heard it from a coach. Please finish it. You can hope in one end, and shit in the other. Hmm. This show's and, over. Run the thing. And what? See what happens. See good, which do one. Good, do good. Play good. Play good. Turns play good, out the best. Good live. Good live. Good die. Good. Being joined by a man who's a two-time. Two-time Super Bowl champion. His house looks like that of Caesar. Ladies and gentlemen, ESPN personality, Damian Woody.
1: What up, Pat?
0: Hey, I'll tell you what, all the boys are excited to have you on, man. We've been wanting to have you on this show for a long, long time, D-Wood. Hey, man, I'm glad to be on to kick it with you guys. Hey, that house whenever it showed up in the backdrop Olympics of the ESPN sports personalities immediately took over. Where is that thing And how many square feet does, it, does Damian Woody live in?
1: <laughs> well, listen, this is actually, this is my office slash library. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, man, we have seven kids, so we need a lot of space. I understand. We need A lot of space to hold it down in here, man. So we're sitting, we're sitting pretty plush, man. So, We've been fortunate, man, but the, the cool backstory about this this office, man, is the previous home homeowner, he collected antique Bibles, like Bibles from hundreds of years ago. Like Jesus And wrote. so this was the last addition to the house before he passed away, so... He did a hell of a job. Yeah, I would say.
0: I, I, by the way, so did you. I mean, so did you. Congrats on a beautiful place. It looks incredible. You see your lineup in the background there of your jerseys, and also you see the painting that seems conveniently placed right there over your right shoulder. Um, Tom Brady, obviously a big topic of discussion right now. was a teammate of yours, Super Bowl champion with him. He is a guy that ended up in Tampa Bay. Nobody saw it coming. Jason Light said on game get up that uh mike greeney a friend of ours that tom was pitching himself to tampa bay basically at this point he had been turned down by tennessee he'd been turned down basically by the niners the colts picked philip rivers over him carolina picked teddy bridgewater these are all things that he could potentially say he was selling himself to Tampa, and obviously the patriots want him out of there what do you think the state of mind is for tom and is he going to play better than he's ever played next year for the tampa bay buccaneers because he's so pissed off
1: well, Pat, you got to understand one thing about Tom, man. As many accolades that, that Tom has, and we could go on for days of all the accomplishments that he's um, had in this league for tw- 20 years playing with the New England Patriots, he still views himself as a six-round six pick, the 199th pick in the, what is it, 2000 NFL draft? Like, that's crazy. Like, I have too much ego to really have wrap my mind around that. If I, was, if I had the accolades like that, shoot, man, I wouldn't be thinking about... The sixth round, I'm I'm big baller, baby. But <laughs> Tom is uh he's the type of guy, man, he's always looking for the next challenge. And I think that's what what drives unique athletes, the Tom Brady's, the Tiger Woods, the Michael Jordans, they're always looking for the next. And I think with Tom, he's accomplished everything that you could possibly accomplish in New England in 20 years. So I think everyone always wanted to know who's responsible for the dynasty in New England. Was it Bill Belichick or was it Tom Brady? And we're going to get a glimpse of that this year. What do you think? Listen, man, it, it it's both of them. I can't – everybody asks me all the time. It's hard for me to separate the two. Bill developed Tom, but Tom played the game at the highest, the highest of levels. You saw it up close and personal, Pat. The way this dude, especially in crunch time play, being in that huddle with him, we, I knew we were going to win. I knew every time I stepped on the field with, with Tom, we were going to win because we were more prepared and we had a guy quarterback who just had a killer instinct.
0: That's what everybody thought, by the way, whenever he got on that field uh, in the playoffs with, what, a minute 20 left or something like that, down whatever it was. And it ended up being a pick six as his last play ever as a New England Patriot ever yeah and there was a lot of conversation of he will not let the pick six be his last play as a patriot or whatever or anything like that i think he was moved on from the patriots i don't want to say that he wasn't giving his best effort last year because i think he was tom brady's a competitor there's no way he's not going to go out and show out whenever he's on the field that's just because he, he views himself as a six rounder i think he was mentally preparing that this was his last season as a patriot in the middle of the season. Now, he said it didn't happen until after his visit with Kraft. Do you view that the same way? I think this was kind of like, I'm getting the hell out of here. I got to go see if the grass is truly greener somewhere else after this.
1: Absolutely. Patrick. you got to so understand too. the last deal that he did, he put, he put in his contract that he couldn't be tagged. He couldn't be tagged again. So if you put that in your contract, aren't you already kind of thinking ahead like, all right, I'm putting the expiration date on the Patriots and I'm looking forward to something else after, after my time with the Patriots. So I agree with you, man. I think during, you know, even before last season, I think his mind was already set on, you know what? It's been great. It's time for me to move
0: on. I think so too. Let's talk about moving on The Carolina Panthers, kick Cam Newton out of the building. They're paying Teddy Bridgewater the same amount, that they would have paid Cam Newton deciding with Teddy because Joe Brady's history with Teddy and the Saints and whatever the reason is. Now Cam Newton's on the street. The Chargers, if you listen to Orlovsky talk, are not interested in signing Cam Newton. I think every single night whenever Cam Newton's putting out videos on his Instagram or on his social media trying to control the narrative, I think he is primed for, just like Tom Brady, a revenge-like season. But it feels like there's not a lot of landing spots for him. What do you see happening with Cam Newton? And are you appreciative of him posting these workouts basically talking about how the Carolina Panthers pushed him out of the building
1: yeah listen first of all I appreciate Cam Newton speaking his own truth because you know in this in this age of of PR a lot of these NFL teams they want to control the narrative oh, so yeah. kudos to Cam for pushing back on the Carolina Panthers making it seem like they were both uh this was a minimum on both sides that they both wanted to trade Cam Newton was like hell no that wasn't my idea that was all on you guys so kudos to him but I've always said, man, when, when, when I thought about Cam Newton possibly being available, the Los Angeles Chargers made too much sense, man, because – Agreed. Listen, the year that Cam Newton won MVP back in 2015, he had nowhere near the personnel that the Los Angeles Chargers has on their team right now. You got a, a good tight end, Hunter Henry. You got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler in the backfield. And we're not even talking about on the defensive side of football where they got great personnel. And I just figured Los Angeles Chargers moving into a new stadium. You know, business is always mixed with football. Wow. They needed, they needed a headliner moving into the new stadium. But I think the biggest, the biggest um, thing that's holding us back, in my opinion, is the fact that all this chaos going on this offseason with this whole coronavirus. Everyone is just looking to. Everyone is just looking to say, you know what? We can't even get it into our building. We need as much familiarity as possible within our program. So I think that's why Anthony Lynn said, I'm going to stick with Tyrod Taylor because he's he's in the building. He knows the system. And we just can't risk having to reteach someone this whole offense with everything that's going on this offseason. Yeah.
0: So... That is what they're saying, by the way. They're saying they're moving on with Tyrod Taylor. Everybody's expecting the Chargers to either make a move in the draft or draft a quarterback and kind of build for the future. I think this offseason has been an insane one, For obviously not just football because the big names that were on the market, but also obviously because the world we're living in, you can't really physically or mentally check Cam Newton right now because he can't travel, can't do anything like that. This offseason, though, might be – even more crazy if what Adam Schefter said on GetUp just yesterday or yesterday or two days ago is accurate. Have you? I want to play this clip so everybody hears it, but I'd like your reaction on this, Damian Woody. This would be okay. wild. I don't know how they would PR spin this if this was to happen. And Schefter, when he speaks, I mean, you automatically assume that Schefter has heard something from somebody in that brain and then he's either, as a pundit, formulating his own opinion or he's informing people of what he's been told. I mean, there's two different... Schefter on GetUp and Schefter on Twitter are an interesting... You're trying to kind of separate, like, okay, is this inside information or is this Schefter's opinion? And if it's his opinion, who the hell is he getting his information from? So you have to kind of bounce it out. Listen to what he said on GetUp, though, here, D-Wood. A lot of these free agent deals that have been
2: entered into the agreements, they haven't been signed. What's to stop a team from drafting a player it didn't expect to be available at a certain spot and then rescinding the offer to the free agent that it made because it hasn't taken a physical and a signed
4: contract. We may see a little chaos. This is all still playing out right now. It's going to go in ways
2: that we don't expect. There's a lot of tentacles to this that we still have to see how they develop and play out.
0: The tentacles, D-Wood, are all (laughs) out there right now. The octopus of (laughs) COVID-19 quarantine is locking it down. That would be an insane move. I don't know how you would PR move that if players had a chance to, not a player, if teams had a chance to say, nah, that deal is worth nothing, sorry. We're moving forward. You're back on the market. That would be a wild time.
1: Yeah, Pat, man, this is is like the wild, wild west that we're in. We're in uncharted territory uh, because of how, you know, this virus has shut everything down, we don't know how teams are going to go about operating. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that a team has rescinded rescinded an offer. We've seen it with the, with the franchise tag before. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Josh Norman had his, tag, had his tag rescinded from the Carolina Panthers. That's how he ended up with the Washington Redskins. So um, we could see a lot of that happening this offseason because if you're able to draft a guy to fill a need instead of paying somebody – paying a veteran big bucks, teams might look at that and say, we're trying to control cost, So why not rescind it if we're able to fill a need through the draft through cheap labor? A lot of people have, um, you know, massive contracts
0: that they've allegedly handed out. If somebody falls to your lap in the draft and you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I mean, we did pay uh, Robert Quinn $60 million, (laughs) but... Did we? I mean, (laughs) like that is a wild scene. Speaking of a lot of money and a franchise tag you just talked about, it is being reported that Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are not contentious, but they're not close on a deal. It is alleged that Dak Prescott wants a four-year deal, the Cowboys want a five-year deal. I would assume numbers are also involved in this thing. They offered him a franchise tag that if, depending on whose number you look at, it's either 28 million next year or 33.9 million next year, depending on the swing of whatever the salaries are. I found it rather impressive by Dak Prescott. If you can look at a piece of paper that's going to guarantee you $33 million within the next 12 months of your life and saying, nah, not going to do it, I'm not going to sign that, I want more. And it, from what it sounds like, he's going to end up getting $35 million a year for either the next five years or four years. What an incredibly gut-sack move there by Dak looking at a piece of paper saying $33 and saying, see you later. How do you feel that Dak Prescott Dallas Cowboys situation is going to shape up?
1: Well, Pat, you got to look at it. Dak has all the leverage here. The Dallas Cowboys dropped the ball when they didn't sign Dak last year. They had an opportunity to avoid all of this if they had just simply stayed ahead of the curve and signed Dak Prescott last year. But they said, you know what? We're going to let you play one more year and see what happens. Well, guess what happened? He had his best statistical year in his pro career. Now, granted, the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs, but he got better as a quarterback this past season. So now... Bring in Mike McCarthy, new head coach. You're the Dallas Cowboys. You have all this chaos going on this offseason and your and your your quarterback isn't signed. Who has the leverage? You know Pat this is the the game of football is all about leverage. And Dak is sitting back right now, probably with a fat stogie or something, and saying, That's right, that's right, you got it. You got it. Just make sure you get a little stagger behind that when you when you do that pass set. But you gotta make sure, you gotta make sure that Dak Prescott has that stoke. In. He's sitting back right now with all the leverage. All of it. Yeah, you good. That's it. That's it. You see that pass, I like that. You see that pass set right there, D-Wood? Dude, you, I'm going to call you sweet feet, man. You got sweet feet. <laughs>
0: hey, D-Wood, who was an animal that you had to play against that you absolutely despised?
1: Oh, man. Um. <sighs> Boy, I played against a lot, man. I'm gonna tell you what, man. I played against Jared Allen. That dude is man. He's going into the Hall of Fame. That dude is is a boss. He used to do. He's the, a boss. He used to long do long arms. That dude knows how to rush the passer. He's the one who so ran. Pr- Dan,
0: he's the one who ran Dan Orlovsky out the back of the end zone. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you said it. I'm try, I was trying to look out for my boy Dan, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you went there. But man, shout out to Jared Allen, man. Yeah. That dude was man. That dude was a boss.
0: Uh favorite teammate you've ever had? Oh, how about this? Uh, best, best teammate aside from Tom Brady. Best teammate you ever had?
1: Wow, best teammate. Um, <sighs> you can do a couple because it's probably you know man I can't I li- I'm I'm, I'm going to do my ho- my whole offensive line and with with the Jets like in uh 2008 2009 we had the same line it was me Brandon Moore Nick Mangold Alan Fanica and DeBrickshaw Ferguson those are my guys man so you Pat, you know how close the offensive line is like a, it's like a team within a team so man we 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 had a really we're really close man we had a really close uh group of guys man so I would say those guys.
0: The offensive line is the most important department of every single team. I, I mean, I understand you have to have a quarterback that's worth a single damn to win
1: games. I very much understand that. But Wait a that, minute. Wait, wait a minute. Are we discrediting partners here? What, what the hell is going on? Listen. I, this is your show. <laughs> listen. <laughs>
0: When we control the field, we're almost unstoppable, you know. But if your defense can't stop the team that you're pinning deep, it does not matter. There was a couple years there where I would pin somebody at the five, celebrate, have a good time. Two plays are on the other forty-five already. It's like, well, what the hell was I even on the field? What did I? I might as well just took the snap and took a knee, and they're back out there. I mean, it just happened on a very regular basis. It was just a punch right in the sack. But the offensive line, massive ordeal for everybody, and it's not a it's not a glory position. Nobody knows about it. You can pay your quarterback however much you want to pay him but if he's getting absolutely killed he's got no shot if you have no run game your offense has no shot it's just the way it is that's the way football is that cleveland browns team last year had a very bad offensive line and i think that was uh one obviously microcosm of their entire set of problems but they bring in an offensive lineman they have a new head coach new gm new everything they're trying to do it once again the cleveland browns do this on a very regular basis do you think that team who on paper, has a lot of talent, is ever going to really meet their potential. Last year was supposed to be their year. Obviously, it didn't happen. They're the most penalized team in documented history. So, not only were they not playing well, they weren't disciplined. Next year, all those good players, all that talent, new culture, new environment, maybe a better offensive line. Do you think Cleveland Browns play good football next year?
1: Well, listen, I I say last year, Pat, when everybody was on the hype train, um, talent – acquiring talent doesn't necessarily mean you got a a team, you know, it's, it takes something special to, to have a team. And you've been a part of some really good teams in Indianapolis. The culture in the locker room is special when you are a good team. That's what, that's what really lifts everything up. So I think for the Cleveland Browns, I think one thing that's going to really help them is they got a lot of guys that have played together. Now they came all, they came together last year. They they're gonna come. They're gonna play together again this year. You know the Bakers, the Odell's, the Jarvis Landry's, all those guys. Now they got to they got to establish a culture. That's the problem, man. When you keep having to reestablish a culture, you you just your tires are spinning in place. So I think this year, I think they're gonna take a step forward this year.
0: Who's gonna start for the Patriots next year? Before we let you go, I I am so thankful for your time this morning. By
1: the way, oh man, anytime. Um, I'm gonna go with Jerry Stenham. Again, it goes back. To, it goes. Who the hell is this me. guy? Who this is? By the way, they're going to clip
0: that right there if he goes on to be an absolute <laughs> stunt. you saying I'm going to go, with Jared Stidham, and me screaming, "Who the hell is this guy?" There's this video that uh, we have a Boston kid in uh, on the show here. His name's Connor, massive patriot. What up, Connor? Hey, how we doing, D one Okay, I'm good, baby. <laughs> okay, so he's lived in a fairy tale world. He's 24 years old, so 20 years of his life here has been great football. There's a there's a chance that a lot of people have been rubbing in his face that everything's about to go. <laughs> right to trash land but now he is 100 percent sold on this jared sidham because Police report put out a video calling him the king of friday night lights in texas this jared sidham guy i don't think i know enough about him and it feels as if belichick josh mcdaniel's and the boys are like "Ah, yeah, we're ready to go with jared sidham whether or not tom brady wanted to come back or not it almost feels like that was going to be the transition it feels as if they're potentially going to put together a a half decent season next year do you agree
1: well listen i i and for everyone thinking that the Patriots are going to fall off a cliff, I think they're sadly mistaken. When you got when you got the greatest head coach in team sports history coaching that team, they're going to be in the mix. They're going to fall back. There's no question about that. But I think Jerry Stenham, you got to remember, like this dude was ridiculous in high school in Texas, went to Baylor and was balling. Then he transferred to Auburn um, and he, he really didn't fit that system at Auburn. So I think he got kind of you know, lost in a shuffle a little bit. But now that he's been in the Patriots system going on his second year with Josh McDaniels, the talent is there. If they can just upgrade the offensive of talent, which they didn't do with Tom Brady, if they do that, he has enough around that team to really make some noise.
0: Where's Jameis Winston end up? This morning on uh, ESPN, there was a conversation of him potentially going to the Patriots because the Patriots have no money to spend on anybody. They're thinking Jameis isn't going to get many offers, so maybe that's a place for him. Where do you think Jameis ends up at?
1: Um, I don't see the Patriots because I just, Bill doesn't tolerate, you know, guys who turn the ball over a lot. I would like to see Jameis in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. Playing behind Big Ben, we know Big Ben is like year to year. And for Jameis to be in the building and watch, a real how a real organization operates you know being you know playing under mike tomlin taking a year off and just watching big ben go to work i think can do wonders for james's career
0: And he's going to have to play a couple games because Ben's going to get hurt somehow. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. Ben Roethlisberger, the way he plays, indicates that he's probably going to get hurt at some point during the season. Jameis will get a chance to play a couple games. I don't know if it'll become a Tannehill situation because if Ben's going to be available, they're going to bring Ben back in. But if something happens to Ben and Jameis gets his opportunity, that defense almost led them to a playoff last year. I mean, that would be a great place to almost uh, take a year
1: redshirt almost. Hey, Listen. Who would you rather have, Jameis or Duck Hodges? I mean, listen, I love Duck uh, Hodges. Don't don't you ask that question. That's wait my guy, wait, Damien. Damn it, was that shots fired? Yeah. That shot fired? I
0: had a duck call here somewhere that I got. I literally, I'm looking for my duck
1: call. <laughs> take
0: shots at Mason, not duck. Yeah,
1: take shots at Mason Rudolph. Okay, then that's on me. Then I'll duck. I apologize, brother.
0: Uh, duck, I think duck is self-aware enough to understand the situation. <laughs> Mason Rudolph, though, uh, you could take a shot at that guy. You know what I mean? I mean, he yeah. got his helmet ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, that's a wild scene. I don't know how Miles Garrett just comes back and plays football. People are going to be chirping him pretty hard for that entire thing, I'd assume.
1: I think he's going to come back with a vengeance. Oh, I mean, yeah. he had 10 sacks in 10 games last year. So <laughs> I think he's going to be he's going to be chomping at the bit ready to go.
0: Hey, that's something that doesn't get talked about whenever you talk about the terrible Browns season. It's like, yo, know, they had an MVP candidate on the defensive side of the ball who ended up taking a guy's helmet off and hitting him with it and gets suspended for the rest of the season. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's all we remember is the helmet. But I'm like, this dude was – on his way, possibly being defensive player of the year. And all he did was what, work out and get faster. That's all he did. Probably. Oh yeah, this man, this dude looked like a titan. <laughs> he like he was chiseled by the gods, man.
0: <laughs> Speaking of chiseled by the gods, Damien, that's what you look like. Same with that oh, house.
1: Oh man, you see, you see this this six pack this <laughs> keg right here. <laughs> you got seven kids. Yeah, bro, I got seven kids. I put in the work. <laughs> <I> put, <laughs>
0: I saw your big ass on TikTok the other day. It was only a matter of time. If you got seven kids, it was only a matter of time for your big ass got on TikTok.
1: Yeah, they co- yeah they got me, man. They convinced me, but it, it was well received, man. So, what the hell are you? What what the hell else are you gonna do in this quarantine? I, I don't know.
0: I don't know. I saw you dancing. Now you still got it a little bit. Still got a little athleticness,
1: uh, athleticism for the big guy. Well, they called me dancing bear, you know. So, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Damian <laughs> Wood. Yeah! Woo! Uh, you're the best. Thank
1: you, man. Uh, yeah, no problem, man.
0: What a legend, dude. What an absolute legend, legend. that guy is. <laughs> well, that's it for another week here. Remember, this might not be the life you chose or the life you expected, but this is the life that we got right now. We're in it together for the first time Maybe ever, the entire planet is on the same page. We're battling, we're passing time, we're scrolling through the Netflix, we're scrolling through the Twitter, the IG Lives, the Instagram, you name it, the YouTube rabbit holes and YouTube live shows. We're trying to get through this together and let's do that. If you have any suggestions for something that my lady and I or any of the boys should watch this weekend that you found, have you found a diamond in the rough? on one of these streaming platforms. Please let us know. And as always, hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat. Send him pictures of where you're listening to this ad. Zito will be going through, giving away merch to some people. And we appreciate the hell out of you. We know you could have chose a lot of other things to let penetrate your ears. The fact that you chose this show, I'm very thankful. Please tell your friends. Let's ground and pound this thing. Let's grow it. Ty Schmidt. From all of us, we appreciate you. Ty Schmidt, please play Some independent music so these people who are choosing to listen to this can have a weekend as good as it possibly could be. That's on you, Ty. See ya.